A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Din Djarin has bathed in the living waters, thus redeeming himself of the sin of taking off his helmet and showing his face. Bo-Katan not only bore witness, she too was redeemed in saving Din Djarin. And while she was rescuing him from the depths of the waters, she saw something. A creature long thought to be extinct. A creature that has been part of Mandalorian lore for centuries. Bo-Katan wrestles with these new feelings. And while other events take place in the galaxy, we have one question for you. Why do we keep doing this? Why do we keep sitting here talking about this show? It's because we are the Fake Nerd Podcast, and this is Fake Nerds Watch, Mandalorian, Season 3, Episodes 4 through 6. I am Ben Magnet, and with me, as always, is Brandon T. McClure. Not as always. I wasn't here last time you talked about The Mandalorian. Shit, that you are 100% correct. You were not here last time. But I'm here Most now, the and that's the important thing. Yes, you are. Sparks Witty is here with me as well. Yeah, don't take it personally, Ben. Brandon almost always introduces us as, as always, joined by us on the podcast. I'm like, we are infrequent. We are not con- consistent. <laughs> Sometimes one of us is absent for sickness or other reasons. No, you're mm-hmm. always you're always in my heart. Oh. Always right here. Always. Yeah. Uh-huh. And last, but most definitely not least, Ryan Eliopoulos. Hello. Let's talk about the Mandalorian. I have spoken. I have spoken. This is the way. So uh, we'll jump in on four through six. Uh, Brandon, just a real quick broad strokes, because you weren't with us last time. How did you feel about episodes one through three? Just just real general you know what's, vibe. You know what's so cool? I watched your episode. Uh-huh. I, know, I normally don't do that uh, <laughs> just because time reasons. Um, but I decided to, I had some time because uh, recording time was pushed, uh, pushed tonight that I was like, you know, I should, I should really do that because I want to know, I want, I want to, I want to be on board with what they were, with what they were going with. Um, so I, I, I did that. Uh, so I think you'll be surprised to hear that three is my favorite episode of the show so far. That doesn't surprise me. I really like that. I really like that episode. Um, I totally agree with you guys on episode one. It's awful episode. Um, there's just no point in having it exist, frankly. Um, and and it's just, it just kind of exists to be like, we know you didn't watch the book of Boba Fett. So um, here's that again. Right. Um, so, and to set up, and to set up, episode five which we'll talk about here like it's the foundational work for episode five to happen but like i don't know that that justifies everything about that episode yeah uh episode two i kind episode two is where my problems with the show starts starts and they continue into these into these batches of episodes so that'll get into quite frequently um but yeah i really liked episode three i thought it's it's exactly it's exactly the kind of things that i wanted just Star Wars to explore. I I agree with Ben. Ben talked a lot about how Ben, ben and Ryan actually talked a lot about how like it, this really shouldn't be in the Mandalorian. Like the Mandalorian did inherit what ranges of new of the New Republic was going to be, and it they really shouldn't be in the show. But because I'm so disinterested in the main character of this show, I was happy for the detour, and I was very much on board with 
maybe not seeing Din Djarin in that whole episode because I was like, actually, this is the show I want. I'm I'm here for this show right now. Yeah, yeah. As as you already know from from my takes on episode three, my biggest problem with episode three because I really like that episode is just the ending is in execution is too confusing. Yeah, like like with clarity on what is going on with her. Um, yeah. and, and like specifically with the other new yeah, we don't people around return her. to that in any of these episodes. So well, we return fun. to her, but we still don't know like what is up with all those new Republic. Like it is not clear what her goal is, yeah. uh, and like what angle she was playing. Um, but that's, not, you know, we'll, we'll get into similar stuff. Sorry, continue. No, but that's basically, that's basically all I got for, for, um, the first three episodes. And and I'm sure I'll reference back to my feelings of them before. Um, I rewatched the, the, the three episodes that we're talking right now, because I, I watched a lot of Mandalorian in a really short time. Sure. Um, so I wanted to not kind of cross pollinate, but I'm sure I'll reference those first three episodes and some of the thoughts that I had, because some of the problems that I have with those three episodes do continue into these three. So yeah, 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 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't mind, I'll I'll say what episodes we're talking about: titles, directors, writers. All but that. I wrote it down. Yes. Yeah, oh, fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Go no, ahead. No, it's fine. It's no, fine. no, 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 no. Please, please. You are the board. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Um. So okay. So yes, yeah, so we're talking about chapters 20, 21, and twenty two, which are titled "The Foundling," "The Pirate," and "Guns for Hire." So the the Foundling is directed by Carl Weathers, written by John Favreau. They're all written by John Favreau. I'm just going to get that right out out of the way. All uh, written by John yeah. Favreau. Also writing credit to Dave Filoni. There's a story credit to Dave Filoni in The Foundling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Um, Peter Ramsey directed The Pirate and Bryce Dallas Howard directed Guns for Hire. Why is Bryce not going with the, the, the titles? Why are you breaking tradition, Bryce? Not that I'm mad at it. I'm just I, mean, I, I checked this. The those had been broken before. No, I know. I'm just joking. Yeah. It's not. It. It is. It, I didn't know they had been broken before. So. So I. I was. I was about to ask a very ignorant question. Apparently. So. It's more consistent than not. Is what. Yeah. I mean. it, it's yeah. common, but like going back to the first season, there were episodes that didn't use it. Yeah. Um. Uh. I'll go. I'll. I'll go real quick. Um. I think. I. I. The last two episodes, are for me kind of coupled with episode three my favorites of the season mm-hmm. they're they're at least doing the things that i'm more interested in 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 the season um because of the avenues that they're starting to like reach towards and and go down um but i find this season uneven um i understand why a lot of people are like responding the way they do i i i, I kind of like really ended up on my back foot kind of really getting defensive about this last episode only because like I also had reactions about that episode but I did not think they were anywhere near as explosive as like other people who had been very pro and positive the show up to this episode when I had been like no guys like this is dragging its feet what are you talking about specifically ringer verse where I think like a lot of the the hosts there had set up uh expectations about what the season would be that us specifically around the dark saber that i just never really thought was true about the show i guess not not to the degree that they did not necessarily putting the same stakes on it that they were and so that level of disappointment where i'm like this was never really what the show was about to me so Mm -hmm. um but what i what i will say in a broad sense is i think that the absolute chief problem i'm seeing overall with season three is that Grogu should not have been here for this. He's just kind of an accessory to Din in this season. And 
I'm like, this is exactly the thing we should have been doing while they were apart. And then like bring Grogu back later. Uh, the decision to bring Grogu back prematurely, I think is the thing that has most hurt this season because like all of the way that all of this happening would affect Din, I think would be so much more impactful if it were like his still draw to want Grogu to be by his side for it. And I, I think that like, all of this lands in a different way if Din doesn't have Grogu by his side and the decision to put him there feels like misguided at best. And sometimes it doesn't even matter that Grogu's even there because he's just like hanging out with Lizzo. And that's not that's not like a, a quality thing. That's just like, what's the point of them even being together if they're just like not even interacting or doing anything together? Of importance, like, like you know. Um, I, uh, vibe, vibe check from last, from last batch of episodes. I'm about to say I'm a little weaker, to be honest. Um, there are... Lots of really fun things in all three of these episodes, just like the last batch. But um, I'm just with two episodes left. I'm just like, man, like, where are we going? Lots, lots of things happening. Um, I don't particularly like how things are being resolved. You know, just my, my, you know, where I think stories should go. I'm like, oh, you, wow, we, we resolved that. I, I think they are. Whether you think they are or not, I think the show is setting up the dark saber stuff a lot. They have been doing that since it's in, since like season one with like moth and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think the way that they handle that with Din, I'm just like, why did it even have it for so long if you're just gonna like give it away like like so like anticlimactically, which we'll talk about later. Um I I uh lots of cool stuff, but again, um, you know, I I I think I if I think if this is the Mandalorian's only gonna be more like this. I, I'm starting to like, man, I'm starting to have like nostalgia for Mandalorian seasons one and two, which is not really which is a weird thing to say because those are new shows, those aren't that old. But I'm like, man, I should have loved those seasons more, I think, because that's that is what I want the Mandalorian to be. Like, these are still episodes of the week, but it's also trying to tie into this bigger thing. But like most of the episode is the episode of the week. And then, oh, here's the rest of the plot. And then it's going to then let's do the next episode. And here's a little bit of plot with the one episode of the week thing. I'm just like, I'll just like focus on something, please. Um, I think Jack Black's hilarious. But like in this divided on that, that's, you know, I don't know. I don't know about the season, to be honest. Ben, your initial thoughts? Um, kind of echoing a little bit of what Ryan said, but mostly my vibe check for these next batch of episodes is kind of the same. Maybe t it could, it, the needle's jumping up and down. Because like Ryan said, there is a lot of good stuff for this season, but there's also a lot of stuff that isn't the best. And the more I think about it, the more I stew on it, the more I feel that the show is or this season in particular is just trying to get a season out so they can set up for something for something bigger down the line. Um, and the way they're, I mean, and there's, I just feel like they, they're setting stuff up for the future poorly. Like mm -hmm. I get, there are some, there are some seasons and some things of uh, types of television and films where they do set stuff up, but they just do it better. And I honestly can't, tell why i feel about this or it's it's really hard because the more i think about it, it's like they're, they're just like setting up some stuff they're just setting up some stuff but it doesn't feel like it's like anything is getting resolved like i also have feelings about the end of episode six um but at the same time i love seeing bokatan and and Jin together i think they're awesome i love them i kind of ship them to be perfectly honest but at the same time it's just like where are we going with this just what's the plan what's the what's the it's end? A i don't know i don't, I don't yeah. know no i think you're i think i think we all are on the same page honestly um because i feel much the same much the same way that, that this 
and the reason why I do, why I personally feel this way is because Forrest said something last, last time we, you guys talked about this, that he was never bored. And I vehemently disagree. I was constantly bored. I find this show to be quite boring many times now where I didn't before. And I more than once in these three episodes, no, maybe not these three, because I think I, I was a little bit more interested. I, episode six, I actually did enjoy, but we'll get into it. Um, and the reason, the reason why I'm so bored is because Din Djarin is a passive participant in his own story. And I don't find that very compelling in most stories. I think there is a way you can do it. You can do it right. But I, prefer a main character who is actively engaging with the story that is happening and he is progressing the plot further um and, and he, he he is guiding the he is guiding the the is the guiding force for the story but the story is forcing din on specific journeys um that he doesn't care about because he's got grogu now why does he care about any of this because he's got grogu and he can do whatever he wants and i just kind of felt like I just kind of felt like I don't the 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 I, up until episode six I felt this way and and I, I just I don't know it, it, it that's really that's really my my biggest issue with the show comes from is that Din is so disinterested in the story that is happening to him and I don't understand why he's even there. Yeah, um, uh, at celebration this weekend, um, Rick Famuyiwa, who is who is you know director and uh, of some of these episodes, um, he gave an interesting interview that said, um. The Mandalorian, much like the titles of these episodes, they have multiple meanings. Now we're at a stage where the Mandalorian doesn't just mean Din Djarin. So, you know, this this season, we're focusing more on Bo. Uh, and, you know, uh, whether you like that or not, uh, that's just what the show's doing. And that's what the producers and directors are doing and like and knowingly doing to, Jin, to Din. Um, and I think this goes back to the Book of Boba Fett never should have been titled just the Book of Boba Fett. It should have been titled The Mandalorian colon book of boba fett or just the mandalorian season three but been about boba fett this could have been the book of boca and like man. and like yeah. i think i think that the responses to the bo-katan and like din on the back burner stuff would be a lot less if we considered book of boba fett part of the mandalorian show mm -hmm. and that like the mandalorian like we like we suggested way back when book of boba fett was teased that like after mandalorian season two we were like the next season might just be about boba fett and like that's the mandalorian can stand in for multiple people it's not just about din yeah um but i think because you separate book of boba fett everybody's like the mandalorian is about din and grogu um and that is fighting the concept of what we're doing centering bo-katan um and i think that 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 also along with like the, the grogu reunion in book of boba fett makes this all a misstep because again like doesn't that work better if we consider that the mandalorian season three and this the mandalorian season four doesn't that work better that grogu and him got reunited to an extent now i would still say that during these story beats grogu and him still should have been separated but you know at least it would have happened on the same consistent show and you you bringing that up actually thought, actually kind of clicked something in my head i think that din would actually be more engaged in the story that's happening if grogu wasn't here because that's what i'm saying he has no interest in anything that's going on because he's now got grogu his jo his job is to train grogu to be a mandalorian now he has no interest in anything else well yeah. so this is this is my thing is that like and i think this is true and i don't think this is a wrong thing about the character is that one of the reasons why the dark saber thing um i i i got on um one of the one of the ringerverse host jomi's um tweets talking about the fact that uh 
the call to action to me for Din has never been the Darksaber because he was talking about like him handing over the Darksaber as him refusing the call to action. And I'm like, that's not Din's call to action. It never has been. He's like, there's a difference between like saying he's a reluctant leader. He's that, that's just not been his call to action. His call to action became Grogu. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is his call to action. His call to adventure is Grogu. It wasn't about the Darksaber. It's about Grogu. It's about being Grogu's dad. And it's about finding an existence in being a Mandalorian that allows him to also be with Grogu and be a parental figure to Grogu. Um, he should never have had the Darksaber then, though. And to I, give and it I, up the I way that he did, it was like, why didn't he do it in the cave when he got rescued? I, like, won't, I, won't, I won't disagree with that. Yeah. I won't disagree with any of that. That, like, y- you're you're right, but, like, that that is consistent. Like, this, this character of Din never wanted that. He never wanted to be the, like, he tried to give it to Bo-Katan to begin with. Like, it's yeah. understandable why Bo-Katan refused it at the time. Like, this got her in trouble last time in front of Sabine and everything. And like, uh, I don't think, I don't think it's meant to be like a strategic move on Din's part that like the knowledge that Ed saying that there, like his whole thing is like, Din only cares about the future of Mandalore right now. Right. For Grogu. Let's Mm -hmm. say. Like, he cares about what will Mandalore be for Grogu, and he wants all the Mandalorians together, so he's working towards that purpose. And he sees the clearest path towards that purpose is getting all the Mandalorians together, and how do we do that? These Mandalorians need to believe that Bo-Katan is leader. I have a perfect reason to say that she should have the Darksaber. It's, it's factually true, so it stands up, and I have to do it in front of them so they acknowledge it. Like, I... I I'm not going to say that's a good plot beat, but it follows the logic of what the character believes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the execution is sloppy. I do not disagree. Um, but these these ideas that I think a lot of uh, fans have had that I've just never had is this idea that Din would ever be the leader of Mandalore. That's just not where I thought we were going with it. This is not a Jon Snow figure to me. He never was. Yeah. Um, yeah that that was not the goal like the dark saber thing was a sticky point but i never thought that the dark saber like he's never been good at wielding it it's never been a weapon meant for him um i just don't think that's his goal i do think long term you can make an argument that grogu is supposed to be long term the leader of mandalore that that's where we're going to go eventually and i think that there's a perfectly clear path for for how we get there but not din i don't think it's din's purpose i don't think it's din's call to action and so Again, execution could have been better, but I think this was a a beat we were always going to get to, and I never thought it was going to turn into like a duel uh, over the the dark saber. Um, I'm just not not at not at this point in time. I'm just saying we we've we've spent years with this dark saber. No, and I'm and I'm with you, and a lot of people are with you that like Din was never going to be the leader, but you have him hold this thing. You have Bo refuse it multiple times. And then to finally, after a fight that he could have stopped by saying, guys, don't fight. Bo is the natural leader. You don't have to fight. He lets it fight because the script wants a cool fight. Is that cool? It's just in a giant open field. I don't know. Um, I just, it's so anticlimactic for her becoming the leader of Mandalore. It's like, no, she beat me in a cave. Nobody saw it. You have to believe me. That's so anticlimactic. That is showing, that is telling the Mandalorians that this happened. None of them saw it. And then Axe, who is this true blue Mandalorian or whatever, he's like, oh yeah, cool. No, that's fine. Like, I don't believe if I was a Mandalorian and I believe that hard in that like honor shit that like, no, I don't believe that. That's not real honor. That's not, that's like, I just found it really anticlimactic. And like, it's supposed to be big and heroic at the end with her standing in a giant open field with the next to her. I'm like, that, that is not like cool. Like, 
all it's all resolved. We're all the Mandalorians are together now. And like this is how it resolved because a spyborg beat him in a cave that nobody Look, saw. I, I don't I don't disagree that I think there are there are better execution points to get to the same end that are like either Din giving her the Darksaber with the same intent and reasoning after she pulls him out of the uh you know the machine and he gets up from the at the fireplace with her mm-hmm. that you could make the argument there or that he waits until after she's been in the 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 waters of mandalore because then he recognizes her as mandalore but mandalorian by his screen he's like you should have the dark saber because of xyz yeah or you can even do it in episode six earlier when they're on the metro thing over to where they are and he's like what's your plan and she's like i'll figure it out when i get there and he's like you should have this and then gives his reasoning there and it's private between them. But when she shows up, she already has it. They Those don't are need all to, and like, better and like moments. him and like him yeah. being by her side to like, she's carrying it and, and him being like, yeah, she got it in a fair in yeah. combat. She defeated the enemy that defeated me. I want to hear my homies real quick, but I do, I, I do want to say like, I do agree with you. Like Bo was, Bo needed to get the dark saber. I just think like there are a thousand better ways they could have done it. Mm-hmm. than like, here you go. You beat me in a cave in four episodes ago. Remember that? That's why I was in the flashback and previously on. I'm like, mm-hmm. and again, I love that Spyborg episode, but I'm like, <laughs> I see that in the previous one. I'm like, oh my God, a Spyborg coming back? Is my is the coolest droid monster coming back? I'm like, no, it's to show you that Din lost. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. That's just that's just me though. I know some people are totally fine with it. You know, I'm just I was hoping for something a little more hurrah, you know. Um why don't we start? Why don't we go back and just talk about the foundling as an episode real quick? I guess we could probably do that. That's fine. Um, because there's there's I don't have a lot to say about it. I kind of want to just get it out of the way. This is the the, no, I agree. the bird one. Yeah. 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 And it's a uh, bummer because like I love the episode of the week stuff, but I'm like, oh, this is a bad episode of the week. <laughs> yeah. And this is kind of the thing. This is this is the the best case of the show's directionalist that I've ever seen. Um, because it, it's very much like, okay, time to train Grogu, and then out of nowhere, this bird shows up and takes this kid. And then the first the, time this has happened. So the first time this has happened. And uh and then and then and then my, way later in the episode we find out it's Paz Vizla's son. Um and, and like I kind of I don't know, I, I felt like that reveal should have been earlier. It's also personally it also like does not land at all. Like I don't care that it's the son at all, to be honest. No, I mean I, I think they're trying to I think I think they're trying to make Paz Vizsla a more not sympathetic character. I think they're trying to like soften him to, to Din because of, um, because, because of, of John Favreau's just affinity for the Vizsla char- characters because he played pre Vizsla, uh, this character's father. Paz sucks, um, though, so. Yeah. He said, but this guy sucks. He sucks. <laughs> so, he sucks. so like, I don't really give a shit. That he that he is doing this. I mean, the speech is like, "Gosh, we're Mandalorian. That's cool. Whatever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not in this episode. But like, I just, I, I really, d- this is the most bored I've had. I was watching the show is through this episode. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I. I agree. Yeah. Um. And again, like, it's, it's hard when you're trying to serve two masters of you want to do a monster of the week show, but you also want to tell a big grand narrative, right? Like, uh, that's why I, again, like, I'm starting to think like I really liked season two. Because, like, you know, we got, like, it ended with a big Luke thing. That's huge. But also, there was still plenty of good, you know, like, just cool, fun, fun, one, one-off episodes. Um, and so, like, it's like, I see, I can see where it's building to. But I'm like, we spent so much of one episode doing this one thing that's disconnected from the actual plot. Right? I also, I also think that, like, 
So this is also the episode that has the, the Order 66 flashback that Ben had been dreading. Um, oh, oh <laughs> I already forgot about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, man. Before, okay, before, can we talk about... May, may we hold off on that? Because I think that yeah, yeah, that yeah. Grogu thing is like entirely separate from everything else and that's in the episode. Yeah. It's, it, in my opinion, the most valuable thing about the episode. And No, and I, I agree. I was... Fully... I just want to... I just want to say one thing, and then I agree with you completely. Um, it, it's dis- it's disconnected from the episode. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like it should be connected to this episode. I Real quick. Re- sorry, go ahead, Ben. Just to emphasize this point, I literally forgot that flashback scene was in there until you brought it up. Sure. Uh, I think it's an, I think it's an important it. one. I just think, like, I didn't forget that it happened, but, like, I forget everything else around it. Like, yeah. it's not... It, Anyway, uh, everything else around this in the episode serves a singular purpose, which is a purpose that could have been handled in five minutes instead of the entirety of the rest of the episode, which is this is not a good home for the Mandalorians. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's the only point they're trying to get across. This is not the place where they should be putting down their roots. It's a place where they're at risk all the time. Now, it keeps other people away from finding them, but it's it's dangerous. And that's the whole point for like the next episode. Right. (laughs) So so establishing the idea, you can do the same thing, except have Bo-Katan shoot the thing out of the air. And get the kid. It's like, like, it's really funny that like one, they don't have a jet enough jetpack fuel to get anywhere, and two, they don't have any ships. They're like stranded there. I'm like, how did you get there? Where are all your ships at? Yeah, I had the same thought. Like, I had the what? same thought. I was like, that's maybe they'll put that line in there because you have to actually think about those. those uh, like this, this is not only I think the weakest episode of the season. I think it might be the worst episode of The Mandalorian in general. Um, mm. uh, it's it's a bad worse than one. It's a battle between this and one, but but like one at least, I'm I'm kind of enjoying at least seeing like Babu Frick's species. You know what? No, you got me. I'm and Carl Weathers, bad baby, and like and like we at least have Din like teaching Grogu map stuff and all this kind of no, like, navigation right. things. Like there's there's some stuff there, and to be honest, like you have the same beat that we're talking about, which is this is a dangerous place for the Mandalorians in that episode as That's well. True. That's true. So like it's just reinforced here. But because it's the entire focus of the episode, I think like the only thing, the only other thing of value that I kind of like about this episode is, is Bo-Katan's centered stuff, which is, you know, like two specific beats. The one at the campfire where it says, because you are war leader, you have the honor of sitting by the fire, uh, which I just think is cool. Anything that deepens like the, the way that they believe in and operate their systems is cool. Mm-hmm. But it's also Bo-Katan having the conversation about seeing the mythosaur with the armorer. Mm-hmm. which I think is a, a great one and like a super valuable, but it's again, ostracized from most of the events that happened in this episode. It's cool that this is kind of the thing that like wins people over to Bo-Katan completely. But again, you could have gotten the same effect in a shorter amount of time and like spent all this episode runway on something else. Yeah. Um, the rest of it's just kind of also like it, this episode in particular, I think, I think makes the Mandalorians kind of look goofy and kind of <laughs> not, not capable in a way that sucks yeah <laughs> yeah i think and I, and I didn't appreciate that yeah this is also the episode that i started getting really concerned uh for a plot thread that you actually brought up uh, in the last episode sparks which, which is that bo and the armorer are kind of becoming buddies and and this goes into something else that i just i'm i'm so, so something that I'm not quite understanding about this show, but that that's in the next episode. And I'm, I'm happy to wait, but like the, this is kind of Bo-Katan is kind of just sitting there going like, you know, maybe, maybe this is the way, maybe this so, is the way, maybe I like the way. So I was resistant to it and I had to go back and remind myself of Bo-Katan's complete history to start being a little more on board with the way that we're doing her here. Right. Mm. Which is that, 
she was a member of Death Watch. Not only was she a member of Death Watch, she was Vizsla's right-hand person in Death Watch. She was against Satine. She was considered a terrorist for right. her belief system, which this is descended from. She believed in a more proper warrior Mandalorian way that the others were not following. Yeah. Um, and going back to that idea and like, a lot of Bo-Katan after Vizsla's death and Darth Maul takes over Death Watch is based in this kind of backing away because she feels bad because, you know, Satine ended up dying and all this kind of stuff that she feels responsible for, which makes her doubt that she was in the right. But seeing the Mythosaur has brought her back around to like, maybe I was right the first time. And I'm kind of okay with that. Like when you take an extended lore and you look at the concept, like, Bo-Katan having this challenge of her old faith and her old belief systems resurfacing, I think that's fine. I I actually like that. I'm not saying it's being as well explored as I want it to in this show, uh -huh. but I do think like as a person who's not just watching The Mandalorian and as a person who has watched Bo-Katan and these other things and, and like refreshing myself on that knowledge, I'm like, I see, I see how this arc of like, I believe this thing. I fell out of the belief of this thing because I, it made me feel like I was responsible for a lot of the tragedy that befell the people I cared about and Mandalore. And then coming back around to, I have seen a thing that has changed my shaken, my belief system back into what I used to value. That is, is a worthwhile arc. I think. Yes. Hi, Ryan Leopolis from uh, the Fake Nerd Podcast. Um, Katie Sackoff has been doing a, a bunch of interviews, and I'm Mr. Interview because I love watching people talk about their crafts and stuff. And her specifically talking about um, uh, pot potentially joining these Mandalorians and joining the armor is um, that she has been through so much tragedy and so much suffering. And like, wouldn't it be nice to have a family again? Uh, uh, and wouldn't it be nice to be accepted some into something? Um, and again, I, the execution is what I'm still. I'm still struggling with, but I do, I agree with you, Sparks, that, like, I, the idea I'm okay with. I do like the idea, because uh, I don't want her just to sit alone uh, on a throne very uncomfortably for the rest of her life. Like, no. I want that girl to be happy. I, um, I would have to. Like, I, need, I need a little more, I need a little more from the show. I would have to digest it more, because yeah. oftentimes Sparks has a way of smoothing things over in my head that things can, that I can, can convince me of a, of an idea that <laughs> you say it like I'm, I'm a manipulator into tricking you. No, but you have something that isn't real. You have a way of putting, sure. you have a way of putting things into a perspective that allows things to be more digestible to me. Sure. Um, and it's because we've known each other for 15 years, maybe longer. Um, definitely longer. Um, and like, so, so I, I can see that I, I see what you're saying, but I think the execution for me is just so horrendously terrible that I would need to digest. I, I would need a few days to digest this. And as it stands, I just watched this episode this morning. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, oh, yeah. no, yeah. And, and like, they've also had very little scenes together enough for me to like, believe that like, yes, they're just like, they're just that close now. Like what, what I mean, what I mean specifically is not necessarily like the, the bonding between Bo-Katan and the armor. Right. But the idea that Bo-Katan is changed when she comes out of those waters and like decides, I think I do want to leave the helmet on. I kind of want to, I'm indulging something that, that I used to believe. And I, and I think especially like thinking about I, not me, but like talking to my friends who, who have been involved in religion and then stepped away from it and, and how they came to it and how they left it and all that kind of stuff. Like this, this idea of being like your entire system being reawakened to something you believed or shaken back into a system that that you you had a a massive moment to experience and and connect with. I think that's that's very 
cool. I think it's very Star Wars. And I think that it's it's very valuable for Bo-Katan's story to do that. So I like this idea of her being kind of welcomed back and, and a yearning to be part of what is essentially the the descending uh, uh, piece of what she used to be part of, what she used to found and believe in. And that part I think works. And I think frankly, it's just, it's a, it's an amount of like not enough of the story in the season being spent on Bo-Katan doing that. Yes. Um, like, like you, you can make the argument like Bo-Katan is the central figure of the season and she is, but we still aren't getting enough of that. Like it should be more on the forefront. Frankly, I wish they were bringing up more of her history, the history that we do know if you've watched Clone Wars and all this stuff to the forefront of her making these decisions so that it's more present on the minds of all viewers. Um, regardless, you wouldn't of- need much. You wouldn't need much. You just need some. You just need her to confide in Din. No, because like anybody who's watched The Mandalorian, when they when Bo-Katan shows up and she says, "Oh, she's part of Din's part of that 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 cult, and your cult is part of like the children of the Watch who were responsible for like uh, you know the the real ostracization of of the Mandalorians from each other." Blah 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 blah. Um, if you don't know the the extended canon, you don't know that Bo-Katan also was part of that same group at one point like that 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 she was part of the earlier iteration of the same thing and that's really important that's an important part of who she is and her history and why she would be coming back around to this this isn't her being convinced of something for the first time this is her Recla- coming back to an original version it. of herself like reclaiming yeah ben do you have any thoughts about a uh, book with Amanda? um honestly I, I i said it earlier i'll say it again i love them together I, mm. I love it when they I, I kind of ship them. I love it when they go on adventures. I just like have the banter between the two of them. Now you're talking about Bo Katan and the armor, right? You're that's who you're shipping. Uh, <laughs> just want to be clear. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Um I don't yeah. ship the two of them. Oh, I think that's uh, an awful pairing. There's a fun, fun theory that I don't believe, but there but people have things that uh the armor might be like a Dath- Dathomir lady or like a Zabrak who has like 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 horns or something in. Uh, I don't know why people think that, but I'm like, that'd be fun. Like, she used to be a, um, a, a, a Molly. But one thing I, I will admit about Bo-Katan is that I am glad that we are focusing or we're giving her some spotlight because she's... Because I never watched... Oh, I've seen Clone Wars, but I've never seen Clone Wars the entire way through. Sure. So watching stuff with Bo-Katan, with this character, is making me want to make some time, carve out some time, and watch the Clone Wars so I can get all the all the extra juicy spiciness that deals with Bo-Katan. You only really need to look at the Mandalorian episodes and you'd be fine. True. But then there's also some of the cool stuff in it, but that's it. Well, Clone Wars, the Clone Wars operates as a, as a very, as a very standalone arcs, much like Andor. So you could theoretically just watch the episodes that are centered around Bo-Katan and you would not miss much. Neat. Um, but besides that, I really don't have any major problems with Bo-Katan to be perfectly honest mm-hmm. and when Sparks when you were talking earlier about how the director has been saying yeah the show is called The Mandalorian but it's not focused on Din Djarin as we've known for you are the worst Ryan's son of a bitch <laughs> I am the worst that's okay that's okay <laughs> Cray records why? too it's fine why why it's, okay. right. it's not a big deal it's just, we're all, we're all it's just, it's just funny as one insert name here was talking about <laughs> earlier Go, Sparks, go in and put in a name. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What was my point? The, the point was the naming convention for The Mandalorian about yeah. how, even though we've known for two seasons that it's Din Djarin, 
but maybe it's we're just gonna shift focus to Bo-Katan. Maybe we're gonna shift focus to other Mandalorians. That I like the idea, but I don't think they're executing it well. Yeah, I think that I think I think there's something to what Sparks is saying, and I can definitely see what I can definitely see the idea that they're playing that they're playing with. It's just there's an element. There is a, look. There's there's a case to be made that you know in storytelling, err on the side of caution. Probably show don't tell. It's something like this that that you're seeing a character who, like Ben, let's say let's 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 just take a a, a person like Ben who has only seen the Mandalorian, not seen. An, a lot of Clone Wars, maybe seen no Clone Wars, not seen Rebels, not seen Bo-Katan's arc up until this point. You're That's not people probably watching the show to be honest. Right. right. You're not getting the full picture. So what this looks like is this this girl who showed up not being part of the way is all of a sudden being like, hey, you know what? I like the way. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid now. And it's kind of jarring. If but it would it din, would din jarring. I uh, I mm. didn't do it on purpose. Um and and it would honestly, quite frankly, a lot would change because you've got room to do whatever, however many minutes you want to do in these episodes that you could you could have just a moment where Dan and Bo are sitting there being like, you know, and Bo just being like, you know, I was part of this thing and it's kind of nice to have a family again. That's really all you need. Right. No, you're yeah. you're you're right. Like, I do think that that again, it was because I went back and refresh myself right and then had to remind myself of like her her history like just in a broad stroke like where has Bo-Katan been before this that I was like you know I really do like this turn for the character but I like it because I'm putting it into relation of her history and the show on its own is not doing that Um, and I do think that's a flaw I think that's a problem I think that the the live action show should have brought it up by now like why this is this is really important and really a better choice for Bo-Katan and why it's so rich in character development. And it's it's half of that if you don't know. Um, and I think that's a problem. I do. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's one of the things I think episode four should have been about instead of all the, the bird chasing stuff. Um, they kill oh that mom character... and then they take three baby birds and I don't know what happened to them. Okay. If, the, if the episode was a character study about Bo-Katan rather than a really boring rescue for Mandalorians, I'm so much more interested in, the, in this episode. how much CGI money they could have saved if you just had a bunch of people talking, which is what, like, spoiler, we like just people talking. Like, you don't have to have a random 20-minute bird action scene that we're never going to remember. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't care for a lot of the stuff that's in this episode. Yeah. But I do... Now we'll talk about it. Care about the Grogu uh, tr- PTSD flashback to Order sixty six. Um, I really like this. Frankly, looking back, and my mom watched the episodes of Book of Boba Fett to get caught up for the season that were about like the last three episodes, so she could watch this season of Mandalorian and and know all the stuff with the characters. Um, I wish that Order sixty six moment wasn't in that one. Um, I don't think it did a lot. Like it's it's kind of pointless. Um, it's like Luke is like, do you want me to help you remember? And all it does is let us know that like Grogu was there during Order sixty six, and like Luke doesn't comment on it. Grogu isn't changed by it. I don't know why we do it. It's kind of stupid. Um, there's a lot of things. Us. There's a lot of things I think are stupid about that episode. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But in hindsight, I'm like. I'd rather this was the first time we saw that. I'd rather this was the first time we saw that and then we got all of the information and we got the appearance of Ahmed Best uh, returning as the Jedi that uh, was crafted by him in conjunction with Lucasfilm for um, the challenge show that was on YouTube, the, the kids like 
Temple, Temple Jedi, Temple Jedi Challenge Show. Yeah. But Keller and Beck is a Jedi master who is designed to be like a teacher of children, like a super, a, a person who's really investing in the future of, of young Padawans. And that's, that's like, while that was useful for the show, that is supposed to be just who this character is. So it's really cool to see him be that for Grogu. Because um, like in like in the lower, like he is the dude who would be like looking after these kids. So it's like, yeah, get the teacher for the kids. It makes sense. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. And, and it's, and it's, it's a, a, like a returning actor. Like it's, yeah. It's and awesome. it's really cool. It's really cool for Ahmed Best. Yeah. I, would, I, oh, go ahead, Ben. I, I was just going to say the, the internet response to Ahmed Best showing up was really nice. Like yeah. all over TikTok, you would hear like the, the mashup of um, um, Someday Out There and the How Train Dragon the test flight music hmm. or it's hit or the the Star Wars main theme, the the epic version from the, the Rise of Skywalker trailer. And it's just like people are just talking about how he overcame Jar Jar Binks and became this badass Jedi. And people are like, we are sorry. We feel bad now. Honestly, for me, not enough people are saying we're sorry. Yeah, no, um, no. because a lot of them are saying, "Yeah, he was redeemed, and he doesn't need redemption." He never no, needed uh, redemption. He, um, I'm so happy for him to have this role. Uh, Me too. And I do. I really like the the Order sixty six flashback sequence. Honestly, my only issue with it is that it's disconnected from the episode and doesn't quite make sense where they put it in this episode in this season honestly um and i just i i just think that like outside of that it creates a lot of questions that i still have like okay well now we know the jedi that saved grogu why where do they go and i'm and i'm so eager to to find out those answers and it's a nice place to be because i like i like learning something and then still having more to learn about a character about about a character arc Grogu's Grogu's memories of Order sixty six are more engaging to me than Din's story in this season. Yeah, um, I I really like I I really like that sequence. I I think yeah. it's really cool. I think it 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 answers a lot of good questions and and like you said, Brand leaves open the door still for more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't I don't disagree about it being disconnected, but I do think the I just the idea of the scene right about it being the armor talking about what it takes to be Mandalorian and and what you have to embrace about who you've been and who you'll become. And as the forge is going, triggering his flashbacks, which if we remember also her working at the forge triggered the flashbacks we saw about Din when we saw him as a child in season one with the battle mm-hmm. droid. It's That's the same, point. it's a same mirror parallel of what's triggering those those flashbacks. I kind of like that as an impetus. I won't disagree. Like it's kind of disconnected from the narrative of the, of the larger episode and even the larger season, because again, like Grogu kind of shouldn't be in the season up to this point um, in my opinion, because this is maybe the only scene of real value with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Wait, the Lizzo scene where he... I won't go that far. I'll, I'll actually say like, you know, there's stuff in episode two that's pretty great um, with, with Din and Grogu and him learning the navigation and going to get Bo-Katan and everything. So sure. I'll, I'll, I'll back off that being the only thing. But like, this is one of the most valuable for sure. Um, and while it's not entirely connected, the idea of all of it, how he comes about it, why it happens, all of that, I think I really, really like. Mm-hmm. Another thing I really like is that um, when Keller and Beck gets him to the ship, it's a Naboo ship. Yep. I like that too. Which means there's only two people who it could possibly have been who sent that ship for him, which is, it's either Jar Jar or it's Padme. And both of those answers are awesome. 
Yeah, I like. I would prefer if Ahmed Best sent sent Grogu to Ahmed Best. Right. I think that's a great thing. <laughs> I, I think. I think either way, like it's it's great. Like it's it's great. Uh, that is actual redemption for Jar Jar, right? Like that that is a redeeming factor for Jar Jar is that Jar Jar was uh, actively trying to save Padawans from from the destruction at the Jedi Temple because he cared about them. That's that's a really good move to give to Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also very cool if you tie it into the the notion that Padme saw the temple on fire and sent people to go help the padawans mm-hmm. i think that's also also super great yeah um either one i'm happy to have as an answer but the fact that it's a new i just like that it's a naboo ship i think that's really really cool so there's also something that i wanted to talk about in re- in relation to the scene that i think is a good as a good place to bring it up the uh chase sequence is very good um it's very exciting it's it's very interesting um and I'll use that to say that I think the VFX in the season are better than what we've seen from Star Wars shows in a while, uh, specifically Obi-Wan and Boba Fett, and I think better than season two of The Mandalorian. I can't feel the volume quite as often as I did before. And Uh, And I'm really happy about that. Sure. I think the only time I actually really did feel it was at the end of episode six with that duel and then just an open field. I definitely kind of felt it there. Um, but otherwise I agree. Like, I think they're using it better. Like it, like sometimes like, like, you know, incorporating actual sets with the volume, like really helps make that place feel a little more alive than just, yeah. And especially when just open space, especially like even in episode six, like when we're in that city, I don't feel like I'm in the volume. Like I did with Obi-Wan. I feel like I'm in a set and maybe I'm not because I'm sure they did build the volume there. Um, but like it, it doesn't feel like it anymore. And I'm really happy about that. I'm just, I just wanted to just say like, just net positive. I think the VFX are much better in the season. I'll even, I'll even take it one step further within the season, which is just like, I think Coruscant looks better here than it did in episode three. Like, mm. like he spent more time in Coruscant in episode three, but for this snippet, I think it looks very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In this sequence. Um, I, I, I value this. I really like this as just a part of the lore of, of, of Grogu in the world of Star Wars, like taken as a microcosm outside of all the things we're talking about that aren't working about the season or how this episode came together, all that kind of stuff. This was a very good choice. Yeah. Yes. Uh, just the single scene as like this answer of the question. Very, very good choice. Um, yeah. I think that kind of wraps up episode four. Yeah, let's move on uh, to episode five. Yeah, um, I think episode five might be my favorite of this season. Mm. There's definitely a possibility for it because oh, is this pa- is a pirate captain yeah. Gorian Shard and his Gorian little and his little shmi? Yeah, his little shmi. Um, I I really like this. I think it's like this and episode six both have like hard live action Clone Wars energy to me, um, but this one. I really like the logic of giving the Mandalorians a place to actually rest themselves publicly. Um, And the fact that Din, like, I feel this is the most involved Din is in the progression of the Mandalorians at large, right? Because he's saying, like, I have this offer from Grief Karga who wants to give me land. And, like, that land doesn't have to be just for me. That land can be for all Mandalorians, that we can establish a home, an actual home, and start gathering ourselves again because we deserve to live in light. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I think as a as a trajectory of where the season was trying to get us, right, that the Mandalorians were living in a place that wasn't good for them, 
clunky as that whole piece of the story was told through the season up to this point this being the resolution of that they have a planet they have they don't have a home planet but they have a home a great line from grief karga really really like it i like the pirates the pirates are just fun i like we talked about him last time but nonzo and Anzi coming back as um pirate captain gory and shard you have to say his full name every yeah. single time you um I think he's a ton of fun. Again, like a very good Clone Wars villain done in live action. That I, whole crew are all a uh, bunch of pirate man, pirate puppet man, almost. The the Mandalorians dropping in to save this uh, uh, city that they'd had to abandon before when they used to live in the sewers. And like getting to go back to that place that was such a core foundational establishment of this Mandalorian story. Uh, and And revisit the forge and all that kind of stuff. This all really, really works for me in this episode. I, I think it all clicks along and I, I like... The emotionality and intent of it. So I'm really happy this episode happened because I was really afraid I wouldn't get to talk about Pirate Captain Gory and Shard. Um, because I love him. Yep. Uh, he's incredible. That 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 suit is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about his ship, awesome. I was I I I love it. I love him. I'm in love with him. I'll marry yeah. him. Oh, yeah. the, the, the commitment to him just having like a puppet mouth. Yeah. In a huge, big blockbuster show. I'm like, he's got like the cane and it's hobbling. God bless you guys. Cause like, man, that thing looks so good, but it is clearly like, that's a puppet man. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Right. It's little Shmi. I couldn't believe it. I loved it. And, and I really like the, the talking hammer, uh, for the Mandalorian group, where Din g- gives them this this offer of like, oh, what we can do, and stick. then passes it to Vizsla, and Vizsla has that setup of like, why should I? Why should we do this? It's because we are Mandalorian, and it's because these people understand the way both Bo-Katan, Kreese, and Din Djarin, they are leading us to the way for our people, the way for a future. So we should go do this, and yeah. and I think that's actually this is the moment where I felt like okay we are heading on the path of like we're gonna see like the revival of the mandalorians now through this show and i i'm i'm really about that i didn't want them living in caves forever so this this coming into the city bit is really great to me so Mm -hmm. i think for me i don't the big my biggest issue with this episode is that i still don't care about dinjarin and honestly i don't really care about the mandalorians anymore and that's that's really just kind of my catharsis from the season, just being really disinterested in where the Mandalorians have been going and Din Djarin specifically. So through Din Djarin, I feel like I was supposed to care about the Mandalorians, but through Din Djarin, I have become disinterested in them. Yeah. Um, and that's my issue with this episode is that it's so Mandalorian focused that it, it's got good action. I really like the pirate captain Gorian Shard. Um, and I, and, and and there's a specific part of this episode that I just adore, but for the most part, it it doesn't quite sing for me the way I wish it did. And that maybe if Din had been on a better path this season, this would feel that kind of I would feel like this triumphant, like yes, the Mandalorians have a planet. But now, but I'm kind of sitting there going like, I don't really care if you do have a planet, honestly. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm. I'm more I am more towards you, Brandon, in a way, because like I I'm I'm with you where I do want the Mandalorians to like to become to become one. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want them to, you know, live in sewers and stuff like that. Like I 100 percent agree with that. Um, but I don't the only Mandalorians I care about are maybe Din, like not so much right now because it's kind of boring, but like Bo, 
maybe the armorer. I don't know any of their any of the I don't care about uh Paz Vizla. I don't know any of the other Mandalorians' names. We didn't we've been missing Bo's crew for an entire season and they just show up now. And I'm like, okay, cool. I have now I just care about them because they showed up again. I don't I don't remember you guys. I don't remember them very much. And that's again, maybe if I rewatched the season recently, I would feel differently. But like we are gathering so many Mandalorians so quickly, and I'm like, wow, I don't care about uh nine tenths of this entire and- and I do want to just say, like, I think the action sequence is awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Sparks was absolutely correct in, in the assessment that it felt like a live action Clone Wars episode. It really does. Um, and I, and I, 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 I really like the action, like when the Mandalorians co- go down and Paz Vizsla, even Paz Vizsla, who I don't really give, care about, when he comes down and starts shooting, and when, the, when the armorer starts, starts uh, attacking people with, with her tools, yeah. Yeah, all, all that's really cool, and I'm so into it. I think it's choreographed well. It's shot well. It paralleled um, well with the ship action, just to point that out. Like, the ship action yeah. is really great. Well, and I thought it was a, it's very funny when there's like, he's above you. He's below you. He is. <laughs> I'm just going to get out of here. F this. Uh, that was really funny. Yeah, and that ship, man. Yeah, uh, uh, Captain uh, Pirate Captain Gordon Charge ship is awesome. Yeah. I forget what, what, it's, what it's called, but like. It's a Corsair? Uh, Corsair. The Corsair. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Corsair, yeah. character. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I, and so, like, there's stuff I really like about this episode. Sorry, Ben, go ahead. I, I was gonna say this is the one of the episodes I'm gonna talk the least about because I like this one the most. Um, and really, that's only the only reason why I like this episode the most is because of the great action scene. I loved that action scene. I I loved how the Mandalorians dropped down. I love the the aerial the dog fights. I just loved everything about it. And I was just like, yay. I was kind of like what Brandon was saying. is like, because the previous episode, while I wasn't super bored, I could, I was like, yeah, 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 come on, hurry up. This where I'm like, what's going to happen? Um, uh, I will say like, I, I think I, I totally get it for, for you and for, for you, Ryan, like both of you, um, the, this, this sense of not caring about the Mandalorians. I think part of the reason that I care about it is because like, I still do care about Din. And I think Din this season to me, his like the, the future usefulness of his story is tied up in the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Um, like this season has, has put those things together. And again, Again, I will say, like, I think that would be stronger and better and resonate more if Grogu were not in the picture at this point in time, that Din were having to kind of do this on his own. Um, I do think that would be better, obviously. I think that, I, I think that honestly, there's some level where I believe that the, there was a general trajectory of doing this story with the Mandalorians, and I think that somebody, I don't know who, got scared about trying to do a season of the show without Grogu. Yeah. And I, I think that's very obvious. I don't think Grogu was supposed to get brought back together as early as it happened when they set out to make that season two finale. I just can't believe that. Um, and I think they got freaked out, and they panicked, and they pulled back on the idea. True. Um, and I think that there would be something so much more rich, right, if like you get to this point, and they've established this home planet and you could come up with a million story reasons for this to happen but now it's time for din to put grogu back in the picture with him maybe because of what's happening with grogu you do the same beat of grogu deciding he wants to leave whatever um but it's at this point it's at this point where like din has to bring grogu back into his life and like you have this more rich texture of like Din has been going further along down the path of his creed, right? He's committed more to it now that he's let Grogu go. Mm-hmm. And Grogu just said no to a very strict regimen of belief that Luke administered to him. 
he's not going to be so down with the Mandalorian way either. He's like, neither of these are necessarily right because this doesn't allow me to connect with you either. Um, and that puts Din in conflict and contrast with See, what's going on. See, that would be like fun, right. no, I know, I know. conflict. Right, and I'm like, that's I'm, not what the show wants to do. I'm pontificating <laughs> and creating something that isn't there, but like that that feels like what what you you would be doing right to, to centralize the character in the context of the story. But what my point being of like why I still find this valuable regardless of like not caring as much about the Mandalorians, that kind of thing is because putting them out into this situation is like bringing the Mandalorians out yep. brings Din out now. And so like brings the whole story out to the front. Like the Mandalorians are about to be involved back in the world of Star Wars in a big way. Like they are now back on the board to, to, other players like people are going to be aware of them again sounds like and, to me and that's there's more mandalorian to take din's spot so he has less to do but so so but what you were talking about so there's a couple of things that you said that, that you said that, that i want that i want to kind of rip off of if that's okay um one of the things that you said was and you were and you, this is kind of repeating what you said on the, the last episode uh, of grogu and din's connection um and the 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 cult kind of getting getting into that and what one of the things that I'm a little surprised to, that you haven't brought up is that I do believe that John Favreau and Dave Filoni, if Dave Filoni is even still working on the show uh, in any in any meaningful capacity, have forgotten that the that the watch was was established to be a cult, and it it's now and so Din and Grogu throughout all of see all of season two, the whole point of Din removing his helmet was that because of the creed, because of the way he couldn't really connect with Grogu in any meaningful way. But now that's not being carried into the, that. That isn't the case here anymore. Now it is just, he's just, she's just, Grogu is just going to be a Mandalorian. Now he's going to become an apprentice. Yeah, cool. And, and that's just, that's just what they're doing. And they, they have not done anything meaningful with the story thread that they clearly wanted. They clearly set up in season two. And, and maybe that problem would have been solved with Grogu being, being gone, but Grogu is here and they have not done it. They've not done anything meaningful with it. And there's not, there's nothing in the text to tell me that they have any interest in doing that. Brandon, that is, that is, that is 100% right. Uh, the Mandalorian episode one shows us Din Djarin, the Mandalorian. He's a hard-edged bounty hunter, never takes his helmet off. He has no connections with people, right? He 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 meets his baby. He becomes his dad. That's the arc of the show, right? Uh, uh, he finally removes his helmet. It's a big, huge moment, right? Like he is, I'm going to do what I need to do for this baby. Now that's all resolved. His yeah. arc, his arc is resolved. The arc is now not about Din Djarin anymore, but he is in the show, so he has to be in the show. I just don't know what you can do now. I really, the Grogu thing really have to show up really hard. It really did. Yeah, um, now they have to focus on something else because the big story is done. And but there's a there's a world that Sparks was, has been talking that Sparks is kind of talking about. Like there's a world where you do do that, where you do make it still meaningful that Grogu that Din is still falling the way, but Grogu is there. Um, and and they're having trouble. They're struggling to connect in in any sort of meaningful way because as as Sparks said. Grogu already said no to being a Jedi because it was going to take away from from Din, and he wanted that connection with Din. So now he is back to doing this cult like behavior, but that no one is no no one is addressing the fact that it's basically doing the same thing. It's just this time Grogu is just kind of an accessory, not necessarily a character, and that's. That really sucks. Like, that, frankly, that just sucks. He does feel more like an accessory this season. Yeah. And it's, and it is, it's just an unfortunate, just a bummer. 
because like again like I, I think a lot of people come to the show again like the the casey casual i think they do come here for grogu and stuff right and like yeah. not the thing that they're not enjoying all this mandalorian stuff but like the season ain't hitting the way it used to and din and grogu are part of that reason yeah like for so sure you were about to say something i i the most optimistic uh side of me wants to believe that like um you know what we're seeing is is heading towards a rift like while while din and like all this stuff is moving in a in a relatively according to din according to the armor even to bow positive direction for the mandalorians that this is this is going to run the conflict of like is this really the way that we should do this um and that part of that is the way that they send Bo-Katan out to recruit the others. Part of that is this conflict that I, I can see on the horizon of like Bo-Katan's recommitment to the, to this belief system and becoming this leader and like where that fits in the oh, armor's yes. trajectory for everything. And like all of the, all of this, I, I do think like this is the most optimistic read for me is that like, yes, Din is uh, pushing this forward that he believes like I, I'm at home. Grogu's with me. This is, you know, we're in it. We're in the, the, the belief system. This is how it works. We follow the creed and we are pushing towards the better future of Mandalore and that that's going to take off. And then Din's going to go, mm, I, I think maybe not uh, based on, on things that will happen down the road by, by having, set this up and push this and like even his own responsibility in it and like Grogu's reaction to it. I don't disagree that I think those, those feelings from Grogu should have been already front and center um, yeah. because of the fact of the way he left Luke and what we're putting him in the, the midst of now that like Din won't take his helmet off again and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's not there and it should be there, but I I have to imagine that we are still heading in a trajectory where like this conflict of what is the way uh, to different Mandalorians is still going to come about. I don't know. They just announced that Filoni's uh, doing a big movie to tie everything, all these movies things together. So I don't think we have. That's I a, think they're getting the Mandalorians together. That's that. We don't need to talk about that today. Um, but I have no, a I'm lot of thoughts to, on that. To, 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 it is leading into something sooner rather than later, is what I mean. One of the things that I think is. One of the things that hurts this episode for me is that I don't understand what the armorer said to Bo. Like, that's quite honestly, I, I don't get it. Yes, that's what I, I, I was talking to him about that I, I kind of disagreed with him on. So, like, she sends Bo on this mission. You can take your helmet off and go recruit Mandalorians. I'm okay now with people removing their helmets. Right? That's what I, that's what I assume. But she also says, but she also says, it's time for all Mandalorians to walk the way. But, and, and I think this is why I'm so confused by the scene, because I thought it was impl implying that the the armor is now the new way is whatever the Mandalorian wants it to be helmet or without helmet. You can be the off helmet. I could be the on helmet. We are joining all Mandalorians together. That's what I thought she was saying, but everybody doesn't seem to know what she's saying. And so what's so strange about that, about that moment, I'm really glad you're all, you're kind of on the same page as, as me on, on here is because like, I don't buy that from the armorer because the armorer hasn't really had any sort of viable character arc to for me to believe that she would change her way she, she would change the way she but so like yeah. when bo took off the helmet i was like she's tricking you she's tricking yeah. you it has to be that it has to be that otherwise like what are we doing go ahead ben i'm pretty sure, i have a feeling that she's essentially saying bo-katan out as to like you know like to unite all of mandalore but also to secretly get people to convert back to the way like okay. she's a secret missionary 
like when she tells like when she tells has like oh she walks both worlds i'm like okay yeah that's true she could she's where people know her face and yada 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 but the more i think about it's like this is like i agree because just like brandon when she first said remove your helmet i'm like are you seriously gonna make her go back to mandalore just for funsies to bathe in the living waters like what is going on she's like oh no you walk both worlds it's time to reunite everyone else was like oh you secret missionary okay now again again bo katan is coming back to an older belief system for herself as well so i don't think that the armor is necessarily tricking bo i think both of them are tricking the others and that this is potentially Bo bringing, like when we see episode six and she gets all these Mandalorians to come back, Bo will lead them to the living waters of Mandalore and say, we have to follow the way. So Get in here. And they'll have to do it because she has the saber now. So we're going to have an entire episode where we're getting all the Mandalorians. All right, cool. Let's all take a trick to Mandalore. We're going to watch another scene of people taking a bath. I mean, you don't need to watch that. You can just say that that, that shit happened oh, that's, in, in between. We all we all went to a bath together. And we like it's like... Well, what do you want? Do you want to watch it or do you not want to watch it? I don't want that scene to happen is what I'm, at all is what i'm saying it's kind but of this is the thing right like this is the thing if if all the mandalorians are going to come together like it was either going to be what, what were we going to do were we going to do a civil war directly out now no. between these two groups or were they all going to get unified and then have it be like oh this is not rubbing everybody the right way kind of thing i just saw like, all the mandalorians when they get together and it was going to be ha- like like we were just it was going to be a united any any belief system is the cool all all unity Kind of I think the thing that I'm rubbing up against, and I can totally see the see the read that Ben that that Ben and Sparks have talked about. I I can see how that how that could be how it could be read that way. But taking the scene at face at face value, because quite frankly, I don't think John Favreau is capable of nuance um, at this point in his career. Um, is the thing of like there? It's it's presented like the 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 armor believes that now. Uh, that all Mandalorians should come together. It doesn't matter if you're if you got your helmet on or off, because Bo-Katan can walk has can walk both, and it's presented in that in that in that way. And for me, again, because of my uh, unoptimistic interest in John Favreau's writing style, I just don't see how it can be read in any sort of nuanced way, because it's just like I just it just feels like again that that they have forgotten that the watch was meant to and set up as a cult and as in the armor as a cult leader. And now we're just kind of okay with the cult. So and is, we're just going to be neighbors with the cult now. So is like, cause like there was speculation at the beginning of the season, like always like the armor going to be like the secret villain at the end. And I'm like, if yes. that's what we're leading to, and this is all the buildup we've had, that is wholly unsatisfying to me. Yeah. Unless the next two episodes really give me more, but going, but going from going from even Book of Boba Fett, where we leave the armor in Book of Boba Fett, like yeah, okay, I can totally see the direction where the armorer becomes a villain. Yes, one hundred percent, the armorer becomes the villain of yeah. the of the whole of the whole Mandalorian series. Cool, but it doesn't feel like they're doing that anymore. It really just feels like they've just kind of taken a one eighty and being like, actually, Mandalorians are cool now. Yeah, and again, then. And I do want, I'd rather like the, the, the Ben Sparks point of like, she's tricking them. I want that one to be true. But then again, I think again, all the execution of it is like, I didn't, you didn't, it didn't sell me on that. That's what you were doing. Yeah. Um, and again, that's the better story thing of like, I hope I want conflict. Like conflict is more fun than just everybody getting together. Well, and because like, I, again, like I think 
you know, bringing this back to the core point, I do think ultimately that Din's not going to agree with it in the long run. Like, what is going to happen with the group? I don't think Din's going to want to follow it. And ultimately, like, long term, right, we're leading to Grogu deciding what is the best way for not only the Mandalorian, but possibly for the Jedi. And like, but that is literally like in hundreds of years. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. But if this is the foundation of it, this yeah. is him being encountered by both of these different like very firm ideologies and saying like neither one of these are necessarily correct um and they're too they're too stringent and they're too restrictive and they're too either baked in departing from attachment or 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 uh uh em emotionally separating from a person and, mm -hmm. and like you can build that foundation here and i think the only person that it matters the only person that it matters going forward, if this is what happens and they all get unified and they all start following the creed and say, this is the way, which is the one defining thing that makes me still think this is where we're heading because I don't think you can have the armor say, yes, both people can do whatever they want, but this is the way. Um, that is a pretty firm statement that we are still saying in this season. So I'm pretty sure that the armor is still going to say, all of us have to walk the way together, which is what she said is very pointedly to Bo-Katan before she lets her go out without her helmet on. I think it's a trick. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll be sad if I'm wrong. I will. But like, I want to believe that that's what it is, is that it's supposed to get everybody on board and on program on one specific way so that they are all doing it together. And that after a moment of time, Din is going to be the person who's like, Ooh, I don't agree. Um, and I just don't think, Din, I don't think Bo should have removed her helmet then. Cause this is what's confusing all, doing all the confusion that she walks out without her helmet. She walks in both worlds. That's where, cause again, like, there are half this podcast is divided. So is the internet. Clearly, the it, it is not clear what the author's intent was on this one. Because uh, there's so many different opinions on it. Well, and, and part of part of that to me is that like I I do think it's supposed to be a reveal later to to us the audience. If guess, that is if it is a trick, I think it is supposed to be a reveal of a trick. Okay. Yeah. If if Bo-Katan is in on it or not is supposed to be a reveal. I don't think we're supposed to know right now if that's the case. Oh, I didn't even think that would be. Like, would, if, if Bo Katan yeah. and, and the armor had a conversation, which is like, I want you to go and recruit all these people, you need to go with your helmet off. Because if you go with your helmet on and you're doing all these things, they are going to think you're part of the cult. You need to go back to them as they knew you, get them on board, bring them here, tell them this is the way. Wouldn't that make that wouldn't that piss them all off that they all got tricked then? Not if she has the dark saber now. Uh, but then that—that's just oh, that just feels gross. Then that doesn't—that feels gross. Tricking all your but people, again, but again, leading them and like honorably. But here's the thing: that's who Bo was when we meet her in Clone Wars. Sure, that is who she was. She was more like this person that I'm talking about. And so, if we are doing a full full circle back to where she started in her belief system. That's what she was willing to do. Maybe I just want better for her, I guess. Yes, I do too. I think it's tragic. I but not in a, but not I don't think it's tragic in a good way. Like I think it's they're just making it tragic instead of it like like yellow jackets is tragic. Like I don't feel like this I feel like this is like manufactured. Like. There's a there's a sense of there's a sense of of there's a sense of I I I I don't wholly disagree with what you're saying, Sparks. And I think there's there's a sense of like the the what they're doing right now, if this is tragic, it's not in a compelling way. It's not yeah. in the way that I find myself interested in watching. Um, and if and if this is for Din to kind of eventually be like, you know what, this is not the way. F the way. Din as a character has become such a wet blanket that I really don't care that he they're does not focusing that. focusing on enough dealing with this stuff, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and but they also don't really focus on Din or Bo in any sort of meaningful way in this season. And that that I that for either direction for that to take, I don't know if I I don't know if I really care. Look, I'll I'll put it this way: there's really just no version I see unless they're absolutely just brain dead stupid over there, and they might be. Maybe I'm you know they might just be brain dead stupid at this point. Awesome. But yeah. there's honestly no version I see where this just ends up with all the Mandalorians coming together, going kumbaya. We're all we're all content <laughs> and under the way now. I really um, hope not. I don't think that's how it's going to go. The end of this I episode that, felt. I that think way. that part of the point is like Bo-Katan being convinced back into this state of being and belief system and who she used to be, and that becoming a weapon in the armorer's toolbox to get all the Mandalorians to do what she wants them to do, what she believes is the creed. Um, and that, that I think is part of where we're heading. I do not think this is all just So Bo is going to be the villain like I originally thought it was going to be then. If she's tricking all of her people to believe in her and yeah. to follow her, that sucks for her. Yeah, she sucks. Mm. Bo kind of sucks. That's compelling though, I guess. I, I have to, uh, it, it's it's one of those things that, well, they, you know, you just gotta, I just gotta wait to see how this plays out in the season, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Don't you hate that? And usually most of the time it's, it doesn't end well when we say that. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that always happens? No, there is something in this episode that I do want to talk about very positively. And I've been, I've been very negative about this episode and I want, and I want which is the stuff on Coruscant mm -hmm. and the stuff that deals with, um, Teva. Teva. Oh, okay. uh, uh, Carson Teva. Um, no, not to say it if you didn't. So I mean, like you know, we've avoided a big rebels elephant in the room. Uh, I'm. I want to talk about the thing I liked first. Oh my god, you didn't like Zeb? Oh no, effing hated it. Effing oh, wow. hated it. I was I was furious. I was like, you did that. You did that. Sorry, I don't want to. Want to keep my emotions in check today. I'm trying a new thing. It's called Zen. Yeah. Um, no, it's called Zen. Um, okay, I, I'll quickly just touch on it in a calm, rational manner. It is there for you to do the Leo DiCaprio meme, and I did not appreciate it. I did a Leo DiCaprio meme. <laughs> That's just, yeah. No, no, yeah, because I, I was like, oh, shit, I know that guy. That's from the, he's from the Rebels. That kind no, of I... fan service is not working for me anymore, and that sure. is all it is. I I respect that. I I loved it. And I'll be honest, like I loved it because A, I never thought we'd get Zeb in live action. Yeah. I thought he was gonna be too complicated and they were gonna kill him. Like they were mm. gonna kill him off before we got to this point. And he but he really, died in the war. He looked really good. And that's what we were gonna be told. So to know he's alive, that he's out there, and he looked incredible. I was like, cool. They got the blue oh, oh no, you misunderstand. I am happy about that as well. I I think that I think that it's it he looks good. It's great that it's Steve Bloom. Um, and, and, and I'm great. That, and it's really great that the character is, is around in the galaxy. And that, that's wonderful. Using the character in that scene is a complete waste and it didn't need to be Zeb at all. And it was just there to do the pointy meme. And I was not happy. That's fair. Um, and it, it just goes, it just goes back to that. For me, I look, I'm an easy mark for fan service. I, I have been in the past. I love I love a good fan service. I love a good Leo meme pointing at the thing. And I think I'm just not that person anymore. I think I'm just I think I'm just I if you're going to do something like that, I want it to be meaningful. I talked about it on the real score, honestly, the, the, earlier today when we talked when we when we did our, our discussion. There is I am really positive on this season of Star Trek Picard. I'm really happy with this season of Star Trek Picard. But when we were at, quote, to, to, to use an example of music, when we were at the Fleet Museum this season, 
And we saw The Defiant, and we saw Kirk's Enterprise, and we saw Voyager. And that makes sense because you're in the Fleet Museum, and you're going to see those the, those ships there. And Seven of Nine is on the bridge, so she's going to look at the at Voyager. But the music plays, the, the theme song from Voyager plays, the theme song from Deep Space Nine plays, the theme song from the original series plays. When you see those ships, and it's not done with any thought, it's just there to be like, hey, you're seeing the thing, so now you hear the thing. And there's no meaningful relationship between what's being seen on screen and the and the music being played over it. It is just there to to have you do that that pointy meme. And I'm just not. I just don't think I'm here for that anymore. I get you. Yeah, um, it's not. Yeah, it's not a. I do agree that it is like, like you can literally cut that scene and it adds nothing to like the plot or anything. But it is yeah. just like one of the. It is. Uh. uh it's, it was just nice. It could he have been good. anyone. He looked, he, looked, he looked pretty good. I'm like, oh, look, he's in the rebellion. That's cool. I mean, it could it could have been anyone. It could have been random, no name, two five seven. <laughs> but for whatever reason, it's just it's just the the fan service of it just didn't work for me. I get you. But I want to talk about something I like, please. No. Um, unless you guys want to talk more about Zeb. No, he's he, he we talked it longer than he was in the, in the episode, so you're That's fine. That's true. Um. I really like Carson Teva. I think he's a fun character, and I mm-hmm. like that. And I like that we get more of him in this episode. Um, I really like uh, how they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to call Coruscant. It's like, well, no, Coruscant hasn't actually talked to us in a while. Okay, well, I'm going to go. Um, and that kind of bureaucracy of what's happening to the to the to the to the New Republic, that kind of being being caught in this in this like oh we're how we you know in episode three you know uh, these requisition orders are you know we're keep trying to destroy everything imperial we don't have the resources to do this we don't really have a standing military blah 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 and carson teva accurately assumes that there is something more going on out out in the galaxy that the new republic is ignorant to and we know they are ignorant to it because that's what leads leads to the first order eventually taking them over Mm -hmm. um just coming in and being like surprise bitches um and I really like that scene, and I really like the the girl who, sh- who comes back from, uh, from episode three to be like, "Oh yeah, I've been there." You know, they didn't sign the Republic Charter. That's too bad. I'm I can't believe we we and the and the guys like, oh man, you know they didn't. So you know we really got to focus on the ones that that did. I'm sorry. Uh, that kind of like bureaucratic kind of kind of like political thing that's going on like i just i I really like seeing that side of the republic um that uh seeing the that we're already seeing the downfall of the republic and quite frankly i find that fascinating seeing how bad they are at their jobs yeah and i because they're going from an unorganized rebellion rebellion or an organized rebellion but like going from rebellion to democracy is such a different thing and so many rebels now have this job and high paying positions um where they're where they're just kind of like trying to make it up as they go and trying to do what they can to protect this the people and and what's also really interesting is that at this point in the galaxy the new republic was never as strong as the old republic it was never half half the systems didn't join the new republic when the empire fell because they were like you know we did this already we're good yeah. Which again leads to the um, leads to the first order being able to take over really easily, um, and so we're seeing that that kind of like we saw that in episode one when we when we when we meet uh, Grief Karga and he's like yeah we're not going to side with the New Republic we're going to be an independent system many systems did that and that really weakened the New Republic and that's what we're seeing here mm-hmm. I don't know that, there was a lot of juiciness in that scene where I was just and the girl's smarminess like I 
really dug it. I was really invested in that in that bit of the episode. Yeah, uh, I love Tim Meadows. He's always funny. Uh, 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 from Walk Hard, he'll like you don't want it. I think I kind of want it. Um, the principal from Mean Girls. The principal from Mean Girls. Um, uh oh. That's no good. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. Um, yeah, uh, a great scene. Again, like every time we see the New Republic, they're just really terrible at their jobs. They will, oh, we're going to do whatever the Empire uh, didn't do, and we're yeah. going to be worse at it. Um, yeah, like not even trying, not even really caring. Um, like, man, hands are tied. Can't do nothing. And, Sorry. And the thing is, like, we and we know this from from Force Awakens, that when, uh, like some ancillary material from The Force Awakens, not necessarily the movie itself, uh, but like there was a sense that they were willfully ignoring the first order or what we know as the remnant empire, which would become, it's not there. Yeah. They just kind of were like, Oh, because as the first order were creating weapons and, and militaries, they were just kind of like, they're not gonna, they're fine. They're not gonna, they're not gonna touch us. We're, we're the Republic. They're, they're the empire. They're the first order. We, whatever the, the Republic knew about the first order but they didn't know quite know how strong they were getting because they were, and that's where, where Leia came in, right? That's where Leia was like, actually, this is a problem and we need to go in, and which is why Leia's resistance uh, was formed mm-hmm. uh, within the First Order space. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I just kind of like seeing that thread build. I find that fascinating and such and so interesting. I just, like I said, I found it compelling. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very it's very uh, well well done. Um, uh, uh, I want, I want, I, I, I like that stuff. I want more of it. Um, yeah, it, and but it goes back to the problem. It goes back to the thing of like, this is the, this is probably material that the Rangers of the New Republic show would have dealt with um, if that show had ever happened. Um, yeah. And I, I do wonder if we probably still needed that show. Maybe they should have tried to rework it into something new um, with a different character as, as the set of focus. Um, so that we still have, so we can separate the Mandalorian stuff from what, what's going on with the new Republic. So they're not so intrinsically tied, but yeah. if it had to be anywhere, I'm, I'm still happy we're getting it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyway, should I move on to episode six? I think a lot of like the stuff on Coruscant is, you know, you have to imagine that most of the people in like Tim Meadows position are not rebellion. Right. Yeah. They weren't Empire, but they're not Rebellion. They're just the guys that were working on Coruscant because there were a lot of people. There had to have been, right? There yeah. had to have been a lot of people that were working in the system that were not necessarily Imperial because there's not <laughs> there's not enough people walking around with amnesty pins for that Christopher to be true. And like, you know, Coruscant clearly didn't just like shut down. Um, so, it, you know, not enough people who were strictly working for the Empire, but like still probably working in the same kind of jobs as Tim Meadows is. And so like, it's still, you're still getting like this sense of what the rich people gave us in episode three of like, uh, the regime changed but like you know whatever you know we're still just kind of in the position and keeping things going so like it's the same mentality that really gets back to and i think the next episode also hints at it which is really just like the center of the galaxy never gave enough of a shit about the outer rim mm-hmm. and like that's just that that's the problem in the the old republic that's the pro- problem in the the new republic like that that's the problem before uh the fall of the jedi this, this is the problem during the empire like nobody gave enough of a shit about the outer rim yeah, space like, is too big. Like whether it's a whether it's an Andor, right? When he's a kid, and that mm-hmm. was still before the Empire, and like nobody gave enough of a shit about that planet. Um, or you get to the Empire, and then like the Empire committed a lot of atrocities in the Outer Rim. Um, you go back to Episode One, you've got them visiting like the huts on Tatooine, and like slavery is still here. What? That's ridiculous. How can that be? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you're just again like going back to our best conversations about the Mandalorian of like showing Outer Rim stuff like not giving enough of a shit about the Outer Rim and I really like having Grief Karga and Navarro centered in that uh, conversation of like it's very important for us to maintain our independence and not sign up with the New Republic because when we sign up with the New Republic like that puts us under their thumb in a way that that hasn't been good in the in the history of the Outer Rim like it's 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 at the point where like we now know that we're finally getting something that goes beyond the first order time period Mm -hmm. in star Wars. And when we eventually get to that storytelling, I really do hope that the point is like the center body of government in the universe, just frankly, shouldn't have anything to do with the bodies of government of the outer rim. Um, And there should be more individualized systems of governing that can connect, but do not necessarily follow under the same system and rules because while apparently to my eyes anyway, when I watch most of Star Wars, it's not that hard to take transportation from Coruscant out to the Outer Rim planets. It doesn't take a lot to do so. Um, you get there pretty quickly, at least to my eyes. Uh, it's still too far for them to give enough of a shit. Mm-hmm, right. So uh, I, I think it is valuable, just to your point, Brandon, and echoing it, that like that's that's why I like having a scene like this. Uh, I, I really do like it, and I, I'm, I'm glad it's here because it's... It feels necessary when you've tied yourself into the knot of like, well, the first order had to happen. Um, we basically had to get the Empire 2.0. Uh, yeah. Well, how could that have possibly happened? Shouldn't people have been like uh, kind of against it? And it's like, eh, you know, bureaucracy and people not giving enough of a shit ever. The Empire couldn't happen again. No way. Just ignore ignore the fascists in the corner of space. There's no way they have a giant super weapon. I truly, destroy five planets at once. I truly, truly hope that like getting past the first order like they finally recognize that like maybe we do need to like recognize that stuff going on in the outer rim is something we should we should care about in a way where like we functionally are aware of it so that five of our center planets don't get blown yeah. up bro that's yeah. the next phase this outer expansion what um, was the what was the i think the first order came from the unknown regions and Thrawn is currently in the unknown regions. Oh, bro, we have we we will talk so much <laughs> when we talk about Ahsoka Strait. Like, don't worry. <laughs> Stay tuned for our so. That's oh, probably already out, like, actually. I'll be I, I'm, I'll I'm be an hour ahead. long. I'm jumping ahead, but I'm taking us into episode six. Like, I think that between this episode, right, and then you get to episode six, and you have Christopher Lloyd's character saying like the separatists were right, Count mm-hmm. Dooku was right, and like fundamentally, the, there are people within the separatists and ways that they did certain things that I don't agree with, but like in a general sense, what the separatists were fighting for is for equal rights of the outer rim. Yeah. yeah. That is where that foundation starts of like what they're asking for. And they weren't wrong. <laughs> like um, there, there was a problem happening there. That's why their separatist movement got so important and big. Uh, and I really like that kind of coming full circle. That's what, um, Lloyd's character. Helgi. That's what, um, um oh Forrest Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Saw. Saw Guerrero. Saw Guerrero. That's what he was fighting for when we first meet him, and because he's a separatist when we first meet him. Right. Clone Wars. Um, anyway, yeah, <laughs> like that show. Ben, any other thoughts on episode five before we fully move into episode six? Nah. Ben's like, nah, I'm not fucking <laughs> <getting> involved. <laughs> episode six. Let's go to Pleasure 15, everybody. The most Clone Wars-y live action episode I've ever seen. Yeah. And Doctor uh, Who and Star Wars. I, I really like, because you said that, I was, I'm just going to say one thing I really liked about it, which is seeing live action, tactile, real battle droids for the first time. Mm. Because they, they've always been CGI and the pre, they were always CGI in the prequels. And then they had, um, then obviously they were animated for like decades. Um, so that was kind of cool seeing just like, you know, articulate moving 
real battle droids. It was kind of like seeing the clone the clone troopers for the first time in live action. They were yeah. actually tactile, real with armor. And we saw a battle droid run for the first time. If they why didn't they always run like that? They probably would have won the war. The super battle droids. We saw them run. Did we? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember ever seeing a big. No, I I don't think we've ever seen I, him I, run. that big boy. He ran like a human being. <laughs> Maybe mm. maybe in Clone Wars, maybe I'm forgetting Clone Wars, but certainly not in the movies. Like we've seen them, like maybe mildly, like kind of yeah, shuffle quickly. So real quick, that's a that scene was entirely inspired by Blade Runner. Uh that dude was booking it for a trip. <laughs> <laughs> for a super battle droid. That that dude was hustling. Yeah, uh, uh, I've seen people like share the memes of like playing Battlefront two and the super battle droid moves at the speed it does in that Mando episode, <laughs> <laughs> screaming. Uh, maybe I'm thinking about Lego games. You could run as a super battle droid in the Lego sure, games. <laughs> sure. Probably. <laughs> I, I won't say that it's never happened. I'm not that confident, but like, I, I really feel like we never really saw it in the movie. It just threw me off. I'm like, damn, that guy's booking it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that guy was moving. He's like, he's like full tilt hustling. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's, we'll get there's to Zinjarin's racism. Real quick, um, I'd, I'd like to, just because we're talking about droids, I, this is just an anecdote I wanted to share. So um, there, there's this guy named Pedge. Uh, who was from the UK Droid Builders Club. Um, and he created his own accurate C-3PO costume that he designed uh, entirely of his own. Um, and uh, this was seen by um, Chris Bartlett, who was one of the droid actors on The Mandalorian. And um, Pedge had passed away already. And they brought his, this is the blue C-3PO protocol droid. They brought, that droid is a, a tribute to this person who was part of the Droid Builders Club nice. in the UK. That's it was really kind cool. of like an homage to this, this person that passed. I just thought that was cool because yeah. that was a very unique <laughs> design. And yeah. it came from this person that they were just homaging in the show. Yeah. yeah that's uh, really this, cool. This was such a video game ass episode. I mean, every episode of The Mandalorian is video game But like, they arrive on this planet. Um... Why did I, I already forget? Why did they arrive on this planet in the first they're, place? They're here to get because the, uh, they're here to get the other Mandalorians, Bocatons. That's right, Mandalorians. That's so, right. They can't so just go to, talk to them. They have to go land and talk to Jack Black and the Duchess before we, they can just go talk. to the We have to talk. We have to talk about Wet Romeo and Juliet. Um, oh God! Yes, at the beginning of, love of the episode. Thank uh, oh, God this happened. That was a, really love. That Yo, was out that, of the field. That that captain's chair with the the tube for the water, the water and then it descending, and then Super she cool. sits in the chair. Dude, that's like one of the sickest captain chair things I've ever seen in my life. Hella cool. That's yeah, I like that a lot. Um, uh, when her like her face tentacles are like caressing the face of the Mon Calamari prince, I'm I love just it. like. It's I mean, eight fish love, I guess. It was really charming. I I was kind of just like, I just want this to be the whole episode. But then we got like still lots more funny nonsense things. So I'm like, this is the whole vibe of the episode. So I'm cool with it. Yeah. While this episode is not my favorite of the bunch, I really had a fun time with this episode. I Good. quite enjoyed this episode. Uh, I thought it was very fun. It's funny. Um, I there's one thing they 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 don't do that quite frustrates me but we will get into it um i i really like that opening i like that we see bokatan's former crewmates running with uh gideon's ship that's right mm. I'm, I'm glad that that's that's a present part of what we're doing i think that really works Axe. um it's nice to see them again uh yeah i just thought that was cool yeah yeah oh it was uh, 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 uh tom holland's <coughs> baby brother harry holland oh it? Yes. He had a scene cut from Spider-Man, and now he got redemption by being in Star Wars. Well, John Favreau probably met him on the set of Spider-Man. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. um, so Bryce Dallas Howard directed this one. Um, I, I, find, I, find, I find there's there's a lot 
to really like in this episode. And if you like, if you're like a prequelist like me, there's very much like there is there is a hardcore like we're, we're this is this is something straight out of as Sparks at the Clone Wars. Um, feels very very lavish and very big, very kind of this bright prequel aesthetic that I was I really really enjoyed being in. Not our first Duchess. Mm. I was, I was really hoping. Uh-huh. I mean, it's been forty dead. years since Duchess Satine died. Yeah, I know, but like it's just nice hearing Duchess, and I'm like, somebody bring it up, somebody say something. Okay. Um, I, I think I'm going to just real quick interject in broad strokes this um, of uh, we have got three giant cameos. There's a lot of cameos in this episode, but there are three very prominent and giant ones. And I'm going to grade them real quick. Christopher Lloyd, top tier, excellent, fit in perfectly. Jack Black, pretty good. Um, Could have been better, solid. I love Lizzo. Um, I don't blame her. I think they gave her the clunkiest dialogue. She's uh, not an that, that did not... Uh, help her at all she also was doing space british where like she was british like every fourth line <laughs> and and like giving her complicated planets and and other words and like the most cheesy like and as for you two the key to uh, blah blah and i'm like oh these give her better lines these these were not lines that were catering this was to a, her capability i think overall i think this episode i like the stuff that happened but i think the writing of this episode was fairly fairly weak overall mm-hmm. uh, a lot of fun things happening but like like yeah, specifically, I'm like I'm enjoying just Jack Black be silly with his just with his wax beard, but I'm like, man, like eight episodes in this season, y'all. <laughs> uh, I it, I think time is more wasted in other places, and so it gets a little like this is what we're doing here, but like I enjoy I, I it. this episode. I, no, I don't. No, I have like I, she's playing space bocce ball, and I'm like eight episodes. I'm this is a, this is the one where I really felt like. Like it's not like I didn't feel it up until this point, but this is the one where I felt like, oh, Grogu is just useless. <laughs> sure, yeah, Grogu like, is just absolutely is useless just in the season. Not to hang out with Din for this whole episode, you know. Um, I I will say, uh, I like that. Like the planet is kind of supposed to be a what if Mandalore had prospered, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's yeah. a similarity in their dome cities, and that the, there's a, a structural idea of like, um, them kind of seeing at least especially for Bo-Katan, like a, a version of a better living mm-hmm. that they just didn't have the opportunity to pursue. Well, it's because they, they have necessarily slave droids. It's because the they all have slave droids. Right. Um, they, but they like it. They like being slaves. Bro, the politics in this episode suck, and we'll we'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, why, don't, why don't we? Because we've been dancing around it three uh, times uh, now. But, but, well, we'll enjoy but, it. Let's talk about good stuff first. But, but, but real fast, um, I what, one of the most valuable things, I think, is this again, pushing this idea of Din, visualizing that what that future for Mandalore can be, what can be the best version of it, and them saying, like, we'll, we'll nominate you to be recognized in the in the independent star system. Like, you will... the Taking the Mandalorians into the spotlight and making you this is a weird, part of the prominence. This is a uh, weird line. This is a yeah. weird line. Because Jack Black just, like, says it out of nowhere. Like, he knows that, like, oh, you guys are rebuilding Mandalore. We will get you into the system. We will get you into the New Republic. Like, okay, Jack Black, just we just met you throwing all this, all this, like... Well, he says it, he says it because, in fairness, he says it oh, yeah, because yeah, the other Mandalorians told him that oh, they, yeah. they split from Bo-Katan, who was trying to rebuild Mandalore. Okay, no, fair. That's totally fair. The, then that's totally fine with me. Cool, cool. Right. And didn't, and didn't seeing this as another, like, step in, like building up the prosperous future of mandalore yeah yeah yeah. uh once again and and like that as a goal post i just like that coming back around like there's another 
strong goalpost in the steps of like reestablishing Mandalore that's clearly present here and and given the drive. It is again. I just think it's funny that like Bo couldn't just go talk to these people. She we had to go do a funny side quest and play bocce mm-hmm. ball before they got permission to talk to her old friends. I just thought that was like ah, it's 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 all fun. Uh, yeah, the droid looked great. Seeing a droid bar called the Resistor. I like Bro, that. I thought, I thought we were about to do some solo shit. Yo, the Resistor. Are these guys about? Are these guys like? Are we doing some like cool Andor shit? No, no. We no. They're slaves who like being slaves. <gasps> Why are we doing this? What are we doing? So I'm just, no, I I don't like it. I do. I don't like it. I do like. I understand this. What they're trying to do. The wording of it was saying we're slaves and we like being slaves. I <laughs> I like I like that this planet is considered a refuge because anywhere else their technology is outdated yes. and they would be de- decommissioned and described, especially the Imperials. Like if they were found, they would just be torn apart and, and shut down. So like there is a, there is like a double handed sword here, right. Of like, just take that line like, out. We're acknowledging their sentience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily that they say like, you know, it, they, they consider it repaying a favor of being given an opportunity to live somewhere. Sure. Like yeah. it, rather than, you know, it, it's like, at best like a bartering system and like the thing is yes they work so that humans don't have to that's true um they also clearly have more freedom and liberty on this planet than they do anywhere else in the system because they have a droid bar which we know has never been anywhere else and droids have not been allowed in bars and all this kind of stuff so like there is an amount of like respecting their sentience that exists here but it's clunky i'm not going to say it's well handled but like there's an acknowledgement of like you have value and you are your own identity and we don't want you to be torn apart and decommissioned so come here you can you can work for a living and here you go again Um, it's the writing of it like everything you were saying is right and even as they're saying it i'm like i know what you're trying to say but the words coming out of your mouth are bad right but like so Star Wars has been, we've talked about it, frankly, with almost every Star Wars movie we've, we've reviewed. Star Wars has constantly run up against the 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 line of, our, where are we at with droid sentience? Like, Solo is the biggest one that we talk about a lot, where there's, they, it's, clear, it's clearly they, looked upon as droids are a slave force, and uh, droid rebellion and whatnot. They have and, they have souls and, and, and Mandalorian, I think is rubbed up against it a few times now, this one being the most egregious. Um, and they never crossed that line because I don't think anyone's quite willing to do anything with that. Yeah. And I'm going to need, I'm going to need them to stop going up against that line if they ain't going to do anything with it. So here's, here's the thing I will say. I think what Star Wars does best about this is they treat it just as messy as we would treat identity politics in our world because we are it's not like there aren't characters on both sides of the discussion right prominently obi-wan and anakin anakin sees r2d2 as a being and obi-wan does not yeah um this is this is very clearly and plainly existent in the text there are plenty of other examples you can go through where like one character looks at droids as just simply tools or servants or anything like that and others look at them as connectable living beings yeah. you can go back to the kenobi show um where we had that defender droid uh that that helped like them escape uh for the path 
that was fighting against the stormtroopers. You can go to all kinds of examples where like there are people who believe that this that that droids have the sentience and people mm-hmm. that don't. Yeah. And so the one thing I really appreciate is that like it, it isn't a unified belief system. This is a sticky subject that the characters are actively engaging with and have different opinions on all throughout the timeline of Star Wars because nobody has weighed in on a consensus that just decided one way is true or not. Here's um, my problem with it. Din Djarin, I thought, I'm not going to say he was completely cured of his robot racism after his stuff with IG-88, right? Or IG-11, I would never remember. Um, but like, I thought it simmered. I thought it simmered enough because at the beginning of the season, he went to go get that droid, which is a plot point that we're never going to return to, right? So my thing is, he is so racist in this. In this, He is pushing droids nonstop. He is constantly saying, you can't trust them. And like, we're doing this in season three. You want our main protagonist to be, like, I'm not saying, you are right. Like, we have had characters do that. But I thought we were past this. You want to reinforce that he's still racist against robots? Why? What's why? I don't think that's a fun character trait to have. The way Obi-Wan does it, he's like joking. Din Djarin's an asshole to droids, like actually. And I don't find that endearing or fun. And so sorry, Sparks, if if I may, if I may bounce off of that. Um bounce it. The thing about the thing that kind of bugs me about what about the example that Ryan is, is speaking towards, the when Din is is kicking the super battle droids. Um, and he, you know, he's waving his arm around them and he starts kicking them. And then one of them, and then one of them does malfunction and run away. I took that. And this is my own. I'm willing to admit that this is my own expectations of what this, of what this episode was setting up. I took that as that droid was, was trying to protect his life. Yes. I took that as he was running for his life so that this man doesn't kill him because he is a, he is a, he is a slave. And so like, I, I, that to me set up a completely different episode and i'm again i'm willing to just put put it all out there that was my own expectations and i probably let myself down yeah um but i i just can't i couldn't help but feel that that moment was what was was to was to just tell me was to telegraph like i i said at that moment i was like oh i don't think they're malfunctioning i think they're revolting yeah i think they're they don't like being slaves but then the they like being slaps. Yeah, and then, and then the hell gets up after like where they're being like nano machine through their to their like oil drinks and stuff, which is yeah. Silly. And this is an episode. I want to be clear. Like this is an episode I like, and I I, yeah. I always like it. I always like it when Star Wars goes up against this line of, of droids th- of droids thing. Like quite frankly, I I do really like the discussion around whether droids have sentience or not. Yeah. This was the one that kind of crossed the line and not in a good way for me. Um, but all in all, I do think it's a pretty fun episode. I, like, I just want to—I just kind of want to have that blanket thing over this. No, yeah, I am—I am 100 with you on that. Yeah. So yeah. I think they go too hard on it, but I do think like it—it's logical for Din's uh, racism towards droids to rear up in this episode because it's specifically the battle droids that killed his parents. Sure. It's specifically the battle droids that attack like that—that—that that, that it is the foundation of why he has a problem with droids. So his distrust and issue with them, I'm not saying they didn't take it too far. But they, like, killed, they, they shot and destroyed, like killed one on chasing. There was one just standing there that either him or Bo would just shoot down. And I'm like, they just killed, they just killed that droid. They just shot that droid and nobody cares about it. Like if we're supposed to like, uh, it's just, it's just like messy. They're not thinking too much about it and we're thinking too hard about it. And that's, that's the unfortunate problem here. Sure. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to stop you. No, 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 it's fine. I, yeah. that, that really was it. It's just yeah. like, I, I, I get why like, 
the resurgence of his issues comes about because it is specifically these droids. And these are the droids he's, he's treating really badly, like directly yeah. is because like, it's, it's these droids specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they I get take that. it too far, but like, and, and I do think like there's too much of the script from Favreau leading into, I wanted to make a classic detective, uh, oh, LA law the in order episode. <laughs> yeah. But why would droids need to be in a morgue? Um, like, <laughs> that's just silly. Why, why do you need to keep a droid body cold? Yeah, see, that's just, that's just comedy right there. That's, um, that's Bryce Dallas Howard. Like, funny. like, like that kind of stuff. But, but there's too much of John Favreau wanting to create good cop, bad cop yes. and have Din be the bad cop. And like, it just leans too hard into like the tongue in cheek, uh, the, the idea of the episode and the fun of it and, the, and all that is fine. Like, I like the kind of like unique case kind of thing. And like this, this planet that I, I can't lie. Like I crack the hell up when they are going through like the droid footage of them mal- malfunctioning and you get the protocol droid that like just steps inside of the vehicle and drives. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. And I thought that was so gosh darn funny. Um, yeah. There's the shopper guy and he's just like, no. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good comedy in that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think overall, like the episode ends up very fun. You're 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 right in the sense, like part of this is that this doesn't want to put a stamp, even if it's just this planet's belief system on sentience and droids. Like it doesn't make a firm enough case. Also, right, that, they, that they don't say like to us, droids are are people. Yeah. And while while they have taken up the labor and we have become accustomed to them taking up the labor, it has been done in return for providing them this home and we've kind of like as a culture gotten subsumed away from the idea of separating that yeah from from the grossness and that's necessarily why of it hellgate wants to stop it but but like was, especially I wish, because was, I wish that was text you know well but like it, it's it's kind of there but it's not all there right like because yeah. hellgate says like this is how they've lived for a long time this is this is pre the clone wars that droids have been here like people people have lived and been born on this planet and died on this planet not knowing how to take care of themselves because this has been a, a planet of luxury and paradise uh in its own sense because it has been able to do that because it has been a refuge for droids for a while going back into the pre-clone wars era republic so like that is a foundational thing it, it could have been better expressed and it could have been better stated about how the planet's recognize droids as their own sentient beings you think a scooby-doo villain (laughs) but (laughs) but but there's still some like interesting concepts at play in that i think um and and i'm i'm overall more entertained to have this idea of this this world that's designed this way in star wars than than to not have seen it at all i I yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of i'm with you on that one Uh, now one of these days one of these days i want them to actually tackle this droid thing i feel like it's going to be like a big event where like it is going to be it is like we are firmly doing this it is going to be a big droid uprising like you know here's a movie about it here's a comic about it here's a tv show. you know like i think they're saving the it big feels, they have to do a big push you can't start that with like one tiny kernel you know what it I mean? feels like, like it feels like in some ways you can't you kind of just can't do it until post rise of skywalker right because like if it is big enough like it can't people, happen how people for the for the universe to literally discuss like where do droids fall sure y- you'd have to have acknowledged it before that like you yeah. know uh and and so it has to kind of come post everything at this point yeah um so so maybe one day yeah um what Liz- i will say is like uh one of the most 
egregious and unforgivable things they allowed to happen on this show is for Jack Black to sing a, a, a line or two from Fiddler on the Roof, which is Star Wars' first pop culture reference, and I could not believe that they allowed it to get through because I'm like, how how can you have allowed that to happen? Unbelievable. Um, ridiculous. I can't believe that Star Wars has broken that line, and now there is a pop culture reference inside of Star Wars. Ridiculous. First ever one. It's also, she gets a giant key to the city. And I'm like, this episode is just Goof City nonsense. But I think like this, this planet, because of the way Pleasure this planet has, 15. this because of the way this planet has come up, like I kind of accept that it's goofy as hell yeah. because like these are people left to their own devices of luxury yeah. at all times. Yeah. Like they are not a serious uh, planet, which is one of the reasons why it's very funny that like Jack Black, a, a another member of the Amnesty program, His coming, Bombardier. <laughs> coming away from, from the empire finds this place so wonderful. I also, again, another line that I'm like, eh, Lizzo's like, you know, my husband, but he's an ex-imperial. Everybody's made mistakes in their lives. We all have a chance to be better. And I'm like, that didn't happen that long ago. A, he's like seven, 50 years old. I, I guess he's a, that's a bad man. <laughs> I do want to go back to how I graded the cameos and say that like Christopher Lloyd, I think um, fits perfectly in this episode. I think it. And I think he's selling every line that he's given. Um, yeah. go, go, I, think, go. I think, I think he really like that. And like when he's making his apologies to the Duchess, like he he's bringing complete emotionality to the role. And I'm like, yeah, Christopher Lloyd, you still, you still killing it. Good for you. I really um, like Christopher Lloyd in this, in this episode, quite frankly, he makes the episode for me when he's up there. He's like, nobody move. And he reveals himself to be a separatist. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought that was just really good. Yeah. I didn't surrender to the Republic. I didn't surrender to the Empire. I won't surrender to you. <laughs> the Count Dooku was a visionary who was stricken down by his primes. Taken dead. Sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. I was uh, gonna mention that because I was because obviously Bo-Katan fought with Anakin Skywalker. So the second he was gonna say the Jedi Enforcer, she was like, "That's a nerve." Do you guys ever uh, think about how old Bo-Katan's supposed to be? Because I do yeah. a lot. Isn't she like Looks in her fifties? She's in her sixties at this point. Looking good, hey, right? Man. Hey, Looking man. good. She's Mandalorian, not human. So you know, like age can be different. I guess. It's true. Boba Fett's Boba Fett's younger. Oh my god, that dude, yeah. He was also in a Starlight pit for like a thousand years or whatever. That thing <laughs> aged him like fine wine. Tatooine, <laughs> Tatooine fucks you up. It's true, uh, it's too sandy. It's everywhere. Uh, what was, yeah. I, the, the droid bit that you guys were talking about, I didn't really notice this, but now that you have talked about it, I was like, oh yeah, that is a little bit problematic. Because I... Ever since I was a kid, I mean, I see droids as machines, as tools to help me get means to an end. But at the, we've been through this. Let we me... know how he feels. Ben, oh, 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 no. <laughs> get it. But that doesn't mean you be a dick to droids either. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, C three PO protocol droid, love him to death. R two, love him to death. Um. I was always with I, Anakin. I was always. I, I oh, thought yeah, Obi Wan was funny, but I was always oh, no. like, no, no, Anakin's right. Yeah, like when R four dies, I'm like, oh no, R four. Um, oh man, he doesn't. Man, Obi Wan doesn't give a shit when R four dies. He but at the same time, one of the things I did like is how in the in the resistor, the droid bar, the droid is saying is like, we this is a way for us to survive. That because if we go to the New Republic, because we've seen this in Episode three. If we go to the New Republic, anything that has an Imperial Sigil on it, gone. 
Yeah, yeah. right. Anything, and that no happens. one would take over. No one, the Republic would yeah. even, even if the, even the, 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 the battle droids would never be welcome in the New Republic because yeah, they're seen as weapons of war. Yeah. Right. And so to see a bunch of battle droids and, and to hear the battle droid voice again, it kind of made me chuckle. And even yeah, in the bar, uh, one more cameo that I was a big fan of was um, the the Rex droid, you know, the droid from Star Tours. Yeah, yes. that was cool. I was always happy to see those droids. But I do get that. I mean, even I was actually kind of taken aback about um, Din's very racist remarks towards droids because even then I was like, I thought you were kind of okay with droids. IG-11 <laughs> sacrificed himself. You let um, that the mechanic lady on Tatooine fix the ship with the droids. R4, um, Republic Hero. Yeah, Republic R- Hero. That's R4. R5, actually. R5. Sorry, R5. R5, forgive me. Uh, so, R5, Republic Hero. Um, I mean, mostly my main my main problem with this episode happens with the end with the the very anticlimactic end which we definitely touched on earlier in the episode sure and we'll, we'll touch on it again I'm sure, in the last but other than that i other than that i actually enjoyed the mystery of it all i kind of liked this list romp through this planet i loved jack black seeing him in this show and even the whole and watching i do agree lizzo's lines was not were not good i completely agree and even i was like lizzo but yeah Jack, the cameos, I mean, I like cameos, and also I like seeing actors I grew up with, i.e. Christopher Lloyd. I grew up watching his movies, and I'm like, oh my god, Christopher Lloyd's here. Damn, he looks old. Yeah, 84. But the man is an absolute legend and respected. And he's also in... Sorry. Sorry, Ben. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was going to say, it's like, it's always cool when you see an actor who also was in Star Trek and Star Wars be able to do both. That's true. He was he was in blackface in Star Trek. Um, I forgot about that. Uh, Sparks, the second time Brandon's brought that up today. <laughs> today, <laughs> Sparks, you were um, trying to say something a little earlier. Yeah, what I was gonna say is like I also think it's important to recognize in like um, there there's different levels to the sentience for droids, right? Because like we've seen that there are th- there are machines, like for example, in the factory where they're making the the battle droids mm-hmm. in Episode Two, like those machines do not have sentience yeah, like mm-hmm. they they are they are there are droids in there that are functioning on certain paths and they they don't have the same spark of life that like 3po and r2d2 do um and so like there is a line and like to what i can understand and what i think i recall like i would say the super battle droids are generally drone programmed like their their operations don't include soul operations but battle Regular battle droids do, but not the supers. The supers almost never engage in any kind of personality amount. We hear them talk one time in episode three, and they say, "What that? That's not a yeah. sentence." Like I don't, I don't believe that they are as complex in their in their sentience as like uh, a lot of our other droids that we encounter. And my my only point with that being like that, you know, it 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 is interesting how just it's just interesting in star wars how there are there are clearly levels of like what is sentience and what is not and that sure. not all droids fall under that umbrella um mm-hmm. my, my main point overall is like why do we need our main character to still be a racist against droids like why what what does that add to his character now right and like besides just like wow he still doesn't like droids because obviously they're part of his like i get that but like that's not adding anything to what's happening with mandalore or anything like that like i don't need din to continually to be racist against robots for me personally so i got a question about r5 real quickly because we brought it up a little earlier um the revealing r5 to be a a, a member of the rebellion 
confirms the fan theory that R2-D2 told R5 to pretend to malfunction so that R2 could go with Luke, right? I, I, that sounds right. It's I that's I don't even think that's a fan theory. I think that's, like that's, that's true. That's that's in a certain point of view. That's the book. I, I believe it in that a certain point of view? In a certain point of view where um, mm. it's from R 2s perspective, and he tells R five to malfunction for him. Oh, I didn't even I didn't know that. Yeah, um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's true. Love it. Very cool. Um, keeping it keeping it all together. Story group. That's probably just one person at this point. It's so hard. <laughs> so many um yeah so after uh yeah hellgate gets captured uh duchess so we talked a little bit about about the battle already at the end and i i do i do want to say i think i i like i honestly like the choreography of the battle between wolf axe 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 um (laughs) i don't care about his name honestly um and bow um because what I what I appreciate is that they're using their Mandalorian weapons, right? You know, they they they're throwing at the line, they're using the flamethrower, they're using their jetpacks a lot. They're using. I, I just I think that's really clever, and uh, and some people would maybe forget that you could utilize the, all those sort of things in this fight sequence and just kind of have it be hand to hand. And I appreciate that. Um, so I'm I, so I that is probably the only real positive I have to say about that fight scene. I have a positive. Um, there are three black Mandalorians in that in that scene. Uh, hell yeah! <laughs> I'm just glad there's there's more diverse yeah. Mandalorians um, in present in this show. That's great. <laughs> That's good. Good for them. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 you know, I'm not even sure. I wouldn't be surprised if the scene wasn't filmed on the volume because I think the lighting is very good. It feels very natural, and the way that the volume can't really can't really mimic uh natural daylight um they've, they've talked about it a lot like the sh- the cinematographer for this show has talked yeah. about how the how it's difficult for um the midday. volume to to what did you say midday yeah to to replicate that midday daylight um and it to me it, it looked right it looked like they were standing on a field in daylight right. um with the sun high um they feel like if it's the volume, I'll be very impressed, quite frankly. Um, what doesn't work about this for me is the same thing that I said didn't work when we started the season for Bo, which is that she didn't have the Darksaber, so everyone just abandoned her. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. This just doesn't make sense. Like, why, A, that Bo would just give up on her purpose um, in, in that sense, and, like, B, why everyone was like, Sure. Okay. So she didn't challenge Din for the dark saber in that moment. Like you all just abandoned Bo completely. Like that just it does it doesn't track for me, and I don't think there's enough meat on the bones to have to have justified it, mm-hmm. and certainly to have justified why they just decided to follow Axe instead. Unless you are giving me a clear statement of fact that like Axe beat her in combat before, which they don't do. And so I'm like, why why are we arbitrarily just abandoning Bo Katan? I don't buy it, especially from like the other the other prominent mandalorian who we saw before with her in that season um actually going with her to get the dark state like to get gideon and all that stuff like why she wouldn't still follow bo katana i'm like she doesn't, have a, she doesn't sasha banks the wrestler doesn't have a line the, ar- the arbitrariness the arbitrariness of will follow the person with the dark saber like the fact that they have turned that from from like just kind of a general idea to like this is our core belief in the same way that like the other ones don't remove their helmets is like so yeah okay i guess it's it's 
I don't remember if it's uh, season one or season two, but Moff Gideon talks about the dark saber. It's not. It's about the story of it. The, the story is more powerful than the weapon itself, right? And when I think of the story of the blade and how it's passed down and of where it is now, I'm like, yeah. And, and then Bo was just, it was just given to her by Din because he beat, because he lost in a cave once. Like that is a terrible way to continue that story. This is the second time that someone has just handed Bo-Katan the dark But saber. in Rebels, I still found it more impactful in Rebels because at least with Sabine, that felt like it was emotional and like inspired where but, this, I didn't feel that. And that's, that's actually why I had such a problem with the season two finale and Bo-Katan not taking the dark saber, this whole thing of like, it needs to be one. It's like, I mean, admittedly, I, it's been a little while since I've seen Rebels. Maybe there was some sort of fight between Sabine and Bo-Katan that I just don't remember. But as far as I as far as I was concerned, like yeah, you could just give Bo-Katan the the saber. Now yeah, there is yeah. there is something that is spoken earlier on that is I think brought up in the recap of this of this episode, which is that if if you're not, if you don't win the dark saber in combat, it's cursed. Yes. Uh, I will respond to that real quick. You said that is spoken and it reminded me that we didn't touch on the Ugnaughts at all in this episode. Um, the come around on Din getting to use understanding how to talk to them and I have spoken to engage with them. And the main Ugnaught that he talks to is the voice of General Grievous and the sound editor for Lucasfilm. Okay. Oh. Anyway. Oh, there's also a gross line about how they're like they're like a credit to those species. And I was like, why are we another gross line of the show? I was like, Ugnaughts. Credit, like, these guys are a credit to their species. That's no, it. they didn't say credit to their species because he's saying that the that the Ugnaughts are known the hardest galaxy, working people in the species in, in the, in the, the hardest working species in the universe. Yes. Yeah, so yeah that, like is, that. that is that is that's gross. That's yeah, <laughs> these, it's a little weird. These guys, they're the, they're the hardest working uh, uh, worst blacksmiths. This is these specific group of people. I don't know. I just found it a little weird, but it doesn't matter. Let's talk. Let's talk about the other one. Um. Yeah, so the blade is cursed, and that's the thing is like everyone we've they've mentioned it on Mandalorian before that um, the armor says it like everyone believes that because Bo Katan was handed the the dark saber instead of winning in combat from Sabine that that is why Mandalorian was cursed and fell. They yeah. blame her um, in the same way that uh, Bo Katan blames the cult uh, to an extent for like ostracizing them and making them weaker. Um, they blame her for taking a, a curse upon them. Uh, all of Mandalore for not winning the Darksaber in combat. So while it went fine in the moment, like later on, it's looked back on as that Bo-Katan made the wrong choice and was weak and lost it to Gideon. Uh, we still don't know the semantics of how that happened, but she did lose it to Gideon. So uh, it, it's a big deal that like why she would refuse at the end of season two makes sense because she's getting all of this internally brought back of like the last time I did this, what ultimately happened is my people turned on me for it. Do you think, because we know Gideon's going to probably show up in one of these two episodes, at least I, I, I assume so. Do you think we see a flashback about their first, about that? Or do you think we just never <clears throat> see how Moff Gideon got the Darksaber? Because I think that's a pretty important thing to learn, why this Imperial holds the Darksaber. I could see it be done through dialogue. I don't necessarily think it needs to be through a flashback. No, that's what I mean. Like, are they even going to bring it up? Like, or is it just like, are we just never going to learn how Gideon got the Dark Saber? Because like, again, I want to know I that. Think, I think eventually we'll learn, but I'm not going to say it's going to happen in like this season. I don't know how much longer Gideon's going to be around after this season, though. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't even think it's going to happen in the show. I think it'll happen in like a book or something. <laughs> I'm being honest. I just don't think so. I don't think we're going to learn <laughs> how, how, how 
Gideon got the Darksaber in the show. I just don't. This is not a show, and Star Wars is not generally a genre that, that does flashbacks. The only reason we've had them in this show, and this is the only show to do them, is because what we've had is the the trauma uh ptsd flashbacks I get you, um, I that get you. that have happened and that's the only time we've done flashbacks everything else is like premonitions and dreams obi-wan um, had flashbacks obi-wan kenobi had flashbacks yeah in dreams right does the anakin does the anakin training fight count as a dream when he's fighting is that a dream oh, i thought that was just oh, flashback. you're right no you're right you're right you're right don't forget the family. Like, remember, remember that time me and Anakin went to Javin Seven, made some crisscrosses. Crisscrosses. The, <laughs> the one time that they used flashbacks and they didn't use them well enough. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm just being honest. Like, I just don't think that's a story we get in this. No, I get show. it. I, I think that is something that we get. I think that's crappy because that's where it's introduced in. <laughs> I don't disagree. Yeah. I just that's generally like how I. Star Wars canon is handled, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if I not. can't wait to read the comic in three years. That'll just be like they had a fight once. What is the, what what is the value, I guess, of like what are, of learning the details of that in the show? I want to know how Bo-Katan lost it to an Imperial. I think that's a cool story to tell. Right? No, personally. I know. I, I I hear you, but like you know, I, I guess like how does it inform anything about the moment now? I don't know. That's what I mean. It's like, why would it happen in the show now? Because does it does it reveal anything new about Bo now? No. And like, I don't I don't think it does. So that's why I don't think it'll happen in the show. It's sure. a it's a thing I want to know. I do want to know how that happened. Because just I'm just saying, if Gideon sees her with a dark saber, like, wow, this is just like last time you had it. So I'm sure they're gonna talk about it because last time you saw her, she had it. So I'm like, things things have changed. I'm just curious. I think you know. Going into characters' histories and the show that they're in is cool. I understand Star Wars is dumb and makes up no, I agree. Other things. I agree. I just, yeah, I know, no, I get I, it. I, I, get I, don't, I don't expect that from the show. Yeah. Um, one other thing, would it be nice to expect good things? One other thing from <laughs> episode five that uh, I forgot to also bring up that I really love is um, when uh, Tevia uh, goes and looks at the ship that Gideon was being transported on, he asks his droid to go in with a closer look with the drone. Oh, right. And we see the top piece of the astromech mm. uh, dislodged. Mm. And it is a little drone camera. And I'm like, that is genius. That is what cool. a genius use of that design. Loved it. Best 10 out of 10. Beskar. Well thought out. Brilliant. Somebody stole Gideon. It's Beskar. It's definitely the Mandalorian. So, so we talked a lot about this. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Like with Bo-Katan getting the Darksaber? At the end of this I, episode, yeah, I, 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 uh, I tackled everything I wanted to tackle. Okay. I just wish it was done better. I knew so it was I got, yeah. I got one last note then. The droids drink Nepenthe. Nepenthe is the planet where Will Riker and Deanna Troy settle uh, on in Star Trek Picard. There you go. That's cute. Just think that's funny. I wonder if that's like a, a word, like another word that means something. Cause like th it's like set 15. It's like pleasure in French. Oh, I, yeah, I actually do think it means Sorry, something. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think it's like, means like renewal or something. That sounds right. Um, yeah, the droids look great. I love so many good practical droids. That was fun. Um, wait, so what happens next episode? Do you think? Apparently something cool based on celebration. Oh, um, we saw a trailer with characters, and I think one of those characters is showing up. Because it's mm. a full that he's writing, that he's story credited to. So I think it might be a Sabine. I think it's a Sabine. Because we're gathering more Mandalorians. You think Boba Fett shows up? You think? Do you think will he be a I Mandalorian? Don't Boba, I don't think Boba Fett shows up this season, but I don't think we. I, I do think we see Boba Fett again. Okay. Okay. 
I don't know if we do see Sabine, actually, because Sabine, at this point, would still be on... Lothal. Lothal. Mm, where? What show is this that we're talking about? Mandalorian? Mandalorian, because we're not... We're not at the end. We're not the we're not at the end of Rebels yet. That starts in Ahsoka. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> 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 All right. Why don't we Why don't we call it? It's getting late. It's getting late. It is late. <laughs> any <laughs> Any Any last thoughts you guys want to bring up? I. I oh God. I no, please. I. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a joke, Ben. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I honestly don't know how the last two episodes are going to bring up the whole season for me. I really don't. I won't say I was completely bored this whole season, um, but I, hmm. This season has just, like I said earlier, this season just felt like it was just one big setup. Like I said, you know what the word I was looking for? This felt like filler season. Like mostly filler with a little tiny bit of story sprinkled in throughout that's leading to a bigger picture. Um, Brandon was talking about how it felt directionless. Um, we were talking about how that there were some really good story beats that just weren't executed properly or executed well in our eyes. And I mean, I did say I, I liked episode five a lot. But that was because it was the most action packed episode that we've had. I do like the episode six because of the sleuthing and episode four was just there. Minus the Ahmed best bit. Uh, Ahmed best bit was awesome, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I do feel like this is going to be a very low, like, in seasons to come. Should there be more seasons? Let's be real. There there probably will be. They say it's going to be never ending. Ah, shit. Yeah. Um, they also say it'll season... culminate in the movie. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but... What are they? What? What are they? Uh, well, okay, real quickly, I'm actually really excited about that about that prospect. I love the idea of shows culminating in movies. I've loved it since yeah. I was a kid, and I'm so excited mm-hmm. to get one. But it's the end we'll, of this phase of the Mandalorian. But we'll talk about that. But we've we've probably talked about that to death on the Fickner podcast. Go check that out. Yeah. yeah. Um. Where was I going with this? Yeah. I just. I. I mean, I hope to be proven wrong by episode eight. But we only have two episodes left, and there has to be something really big to happen that just goes, okay, yeah, it was worth it getting there. Because right now, doesn't feel like there will yep. be something big, and it doesn't, and I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. Can I? Can I just kind of? I, I kind of want to get a temperature check because I, I, I'm this. This makes me curious, just based on like what other people have said. Like, what do you want? Like, where do you want the Mandalorian to go? I don't know anymore. Yeah, do okay, I? Because like, thing, even if it's the show that I wanted even to if be, it's, yeah. even if it's you know like now it's up in the air. Yeah, where where did you want it to go? If you can remember, where were you wanting the show to go before the season started? Mm-hmm. What were you wanting out of the show? Because because I'll say one thing in particular: mm-hmm. a lot of people wanted a lot of big big wave stuff to happen with Grogu about him like taking taking up the mantle and the ruler of Mandalore and everything. And I'm like, it's a baby. He is a baby. Yeah, he lives on a very long time scale. We are not going to see him fulfill his great potential in Mando's lifetime. He will be likely ninety-eight years old when he's training with Ray in her next movie. I, I just, I just like, I don't understand people who felt like by season five he'll be leading Mandalore, and I'm like, no. there's no world where that's true. Here's, 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 <laughs> here's the thing. Like, I, I don't, I. 
I didn't have an idea of where it wanted to go because the show up until before the season was very much a, we're kind of just like, we're just a fun show. We're just a monster of the week. And we're slowly kind of, kind of building something. But now it's like excessively building and becoming just big instead of being, you know, a smaller scale thing. It is becoming, hey, Luke Skywalker's here, Ahsoka's here, all the Mandalorians are here. So many cameos galore. Um, like, I don't, again, like I reminisce and I love those first two seasons now. And I'm like, I just, I kind of just wish it could have been that. But again, you know, you got you to get bigger. That's that's the trajectory of everything these days. I think I know what I was hoping for, or at least some semblance of what the season started. Because through the trailers, it's like, hey, we're going to proceed. We have more Mandalorians. We're going to go to Mandalore. Mm-hmm. I was looking for a lot more, excuse the pun, Mandalorian lore. I was looking for yeah. maybe a possible second Mandalorian Civil War. Something that brings conflict into this mm. planet, this planet that oh, so yeah. far as have we only seen in an animated show, now we've seen it and we know it's not cursed. Like the second that Din and um Bo-Katan said, the planet's not cursed, the planet's not poisoned. Yes, I honestly thought that by episode three, everyone was moving back to Mandalore. It's like we're got out. Every single Mandalorian is getting their asses back to that planet. And then once they all get there, they're trying to rebuild. And then a power struggle happens. That's what I was expecting. And I've got none of it. And I don't, and they could be pushed. They try to like building up to a really big event in season four, or that's like, we're going to keep doing the building blocks. Moff Gideon's still out there. And I'm like, Oh shit. That's right. He's still a thing. And it's just like, guys, What's going on? Hmm. I don't know what I wanted, honestly. I think there's a sense of like, I think kind of for me, I always felt like the Mandalorian was to be about what was, was Din's relationship with Grogu and Din becoming disenchanted with the way. And I think kind of baseline, that's kind of where I thought that the show was going to go. I don't necessarily know if that's how I feel the show is currently moving into. We've talked about that already to death and I don't, I don't feel like I need to, to bring up an old argument. Um, But I don't know. Look, you you do. I'm 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 easy. You know, you want to make a good show. You, 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 you can, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with you on the ride. It's just, I don't really think this is a good show this season. For, and that's yeah. kind of where my, my issue has become. And I just don't feel, feel like your main character is compelling. And so like, I, I, so to answer your question, Sparks, like I, I could be on board with whatever direction they want to go in, but I just don't think the characters are there for me to care, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. Like if you're going to move away from what the Mandalorian was, that other thing has to be just as compelling. Yeah. And I just don't find it as compelling. The 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 personal story, the monster of the week story of Din slowly, you know, uh, uh, getting out of his shell, so to speak, both helmet wise and emotional wise, uh, I thought was going to be considerably longer than two seasons. But like that's just again that arc now is just done. And that, I will say that just bums me out. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I will say I did early on think Thrawn was a possibility in the show from season two. Yeah. Um, because we we saw Ahsoka before the show was announced, I believe. Um, and so I I pretty much figured that we were going to see Thrawn as 
a potential end game for the seat for the series. But I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Thrawn is like, I mean, you know, again, like we know Thrawn is coming. Um, it's just like maybe we didn't have to do all the setting up in this show, but again, like what other show would it have been? Would it have been Rangers of the New it would Republic? Have been Ra- it would have been Rangers of the New Republic. It would have been Rangers of the New Republic because that's all like space stuff and like outer, rim, like, you know, getting in the outer rim stuff. So like, I do think, I do think the stuff with Carson Teva and this episode and, and episode five and um, the, the stuff with the cloner dude in episode three, I do think that stuff is a holdover from Rangers of the New Republic that yeah. Mandalorian has adopted. Yeah. Um, and um, having done like, extensive reading listening watching of of not just thrawn new stuff but thrawn legend stuff um all the cloning stuff is all starting to make more sense to me um it's just man it's the trajectory to get here has been really weird it's been really weird um and it's, it's really exciting to like to know like we are seeing the fruitions of it through some of it into ahsoka but you know what's the, the journey getting there is is has been a little bro- a little wonky you know what's interesting? Uh, the Palpatine clone is already around. He's already out there. He's on Exegol. He's cloned already. They did it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's got his, his his Sith army, his thousands of dudes and cloaks. No, he's building that right now. Uh, I don't know if Snoke is... I don't know if he's built Snoke yet, but uh, Palpatine is, is has already been cloned because I think the implication of the something... Novelization of the Rise of Skywalker, I believe? Is that um, Palpatine, when he died, he was immediately, his soul immediately transferred into the clone body. Poor Crux. Mm. So. Soul Crux. Fun, fun, fun things. What, what, about, what about you, Sparks? What, what did you answer, answer your own question? Um, I think that I'm still kind of getting what I wanted, which is that in broad strokes, the show is, it, it, it brought Bo-Katan very majorly into the front and center, which I is what I wanted. It's mm-hmm. pushing the Mandalorians into a trajectory of like bringing themselves out to the forefront rather than in hiding and directly putting like whether they'll actually follow through on like the difference in ideologies or not, but putting those into the same conversation with each other in a direct way is the thing that I wanted on the show. I never wanted to see Din lead Mandalore um, with the dark. I don't Saber. think anybody, any uh, of us did. Uh, uh yeah i'm not i'm not saying you did yeah. I, uh, people did um but the, i'm not saying there's people on this show yeah. but like that's that's not something i ever wanted to see um wh- what i anticipated for the show what i still think is possible for the show is that like these ideologies are going to mix and they're either going to cement themselves or they're going to break apart one way or another in a civil war but but i think either way it ends up with din deciding to step away from it and mm. forge his own path with Grogu. And I do think that's ultimately where we end up at some point. Um, or that they do step away and then they come back and they take the the forge of like, and specifically Grogu will take the forge up of what will Mandalorian be? What does that mean? Because I think we are very much paralleling the idea of challenging what were the Jedi correct in what they set up? Were the Mandalorians correct in what they set up? And I think both of those things are happening in this parallel. I really um, hope there is conflict and so forth because yeah like again like when we first saw that trailer i was like oh there's gonna be like some mandalorian infighting and we haven't really gotten that because like they haven't been built up together yet to have infighting which is now what's gonna happen which feels like that's what next season is gonna potentially tackle um when i look at what's happened so far in the season in broad these are a lot of the things that i wanted them to do which is like pushing bo-katan back into the fold and um pushing the mandalorians into the light and all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. uh i think it I, I do think like the major 
downfall of it is that John Favreau just shouldn't be the main writer on the show. Mm. I don't think he has the deafness to handle it. Yeah. Um, and I think in another writer's hands, like all of this could have been executed better. Um, but in a broad sense, like this is still heading on the path that I want to see with Mandalorian stuff. Um, I, I remain convinced that the Grogu reunion was too soon and that it undercut the season two finale and that like that can't have possibly been the original intention but they they decided to do it this way and so here we are um but like as far as like removing that from the conversation about it like the the mandalorianness of it all about all the mandalorians this is the path that i wanted to be going on in a general sense so like i still feel there's potential for it to work and to land and i think that there's just kind of going to be a bit of wait and see maybe even past this season of like what are we doing yeah. Oof. well well two more episodes uh to come and uh we will be back to do more mandalorian when those two episodes are over i will say like uh i know we're not going to get into the specifics of it but like a lot of the word out of celebration not just about the show but about like a lot of the other things that they're planning around other avenues of star Wars gives me a lot of hope that there's, there's a lot of story thought here that I think uh, is very good. Oh, the so, future it makes me, so it makes me feel like the Mandalorian can't possibly be on a terrible trajectory. Like yeah. even if the season is off kilter, I don't think like the long run of this show is in trouble yeah. because everything else sounds like we're heading for some highs. <laughs> if this entire season had to be <laughs> those two episodes of Boba Fett, for like the rest of Star Wars, like that's 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 the payment that we have to do with this season. That's fine because I, you know, I saw the back of some dude's head and that made me really excited. I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing what 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 movie magic can do. But I think just like even like yes, there is good buzz about like the next episode of Mandalorian, and we'll see how that pays out in a few days. But like uh, the the thinking that Lucasfilm is clearly showing that they're thinking about like really broad concepts going beyond the timeline as we've known it in star Wars, both backwards and forwards. Oh man. And, like hell yeah. That makes me think like there is a lot of thought going into where, where has star Wars come from? Where is star Wars going? And I do think that they are taking that same consideration to uh, a Disney plus flagship show. So I don't think that the show is in danger in a grand sense. I think this is just maybe an off kilter season. What about a grand admiral sense? Doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. All right. That's it. That'll do her to 2022. Um, so yeah, so uh, next uh, next time you see us talking about the Mandalorian, will be either the last two episodes of aired. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed recording it. Um, let's see, guys. This is Fake Nerds Watch. There's other Fake Nerds Watches. Check them out. There's uh, currently Star Trek Picard Season 3 I'm doing with Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. Um, a lot of fun. Really enjoy that show. Uh, he does too. It's it's uh, it, it's been it's been a great time. So uh, actually two episodes of that left too um so the better time. of the star shows on tv uh but uh we have yet to record the third to last so stay tuned for that to be released so um other fitness watches will come about soon as other shows happen i don't think there's another current one that we are planning at the moment um so yeah stay tuned for news on that uh there's of course other shows you can check out on this channel make sure to like this video subscribe to this channel if you are listening to the audio feed for Fake Nerd podcast like this video anyway just do it Pictures watch, sorry. Um, uh, do it anyway. Um, rate and review that. Yeah, rate and review that. Give us five stars. Um, 
We have Basement Arcade. Basement Arcade is a video game Let's Play series. We have Basement Arcade Pause Menu. Two new episodes of Basement Arcade Pause Menu are up right now. There is a quarterly and another episode. Ben, what is it? Oh, it's me talking video game music with Jerry Trevino. Good. Check that out. Um, there's, of course, Animation Station, uh, Fakner Book Club, and our new show, our brand new show, The Real Score, has released its first episode. Uh, check out that show now uh, for The Batman, one of our best or one of our one of our best viewed no that doesn't make any sense one of our it's doing really well most <laughs> it's doing really well um and uh we're 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 really happy with that show and uh, we want you guys to check that out uh there's audio and video for that um where we talk about movie music if you like movie music as much as we do check out that show new episode coming relatively soon um you can, of course, check out our Tee Public and our Patreon if you'd like to support us financially. All of that is linked below or at our website at FickNerdPodcast.com. You can find us on FickNerdPodcast on all the social medias. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter, where I also write for CBR.com, AtomicGeekdom.com, and KaijuRamenMedia.com. Ben, where can they find you? You can find me diving to see a mythosaur at BenMaga27 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and also writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, Go GoNintendo.com. And play Mary Frankenstein and Dean Dark. Sparks, where can I find you? Um, you can find me just uh, keeping my fingers crossed for the direction of the Mandalorian at Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. I couldn't think of a fun way to say it. And Ryan. Hey, y'all. You can find me holding the Mandalorian cheer stick at DJ Tony Snark 616. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Nope. So I had to that. You know what? Whatever, guys. Check out the next Fake Nerds Watch. I've I've chickened out. Stay fake, nerds. Ding, ding, ding. ding. ding.